Welcome to Rad's Basement, a podcast where nerds never a bad word. This is episode 12. Some familiar voices are here. We've got, like many famous people before him, Bono, Sting, Madonna. He only has one name, and that name is Coop. Yes, that's right. Like Brazilian soccer players, too. Yeah. I don't know how they walk around the streets down there, but they go by one one word names, too. So. Yeah. You see, I, I see when, I, when you first heard Koopa, see, you're thinking things like, you know, Brazilian soccer players. I think King Koopa. So. All right, go with that. Because I, I actually know what that is, so. <laughs> well, it's like George. And I'm not talking about Dennis Hopper, either. It's uh, <laughs> No one talks about that. We, we, yeah, we certainly do not talk about it. I talk about it. I love that movie. Rule, rule one for all the wrong reasons, but rule, yes. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. You're allowed to love it for, for all those reasons, yes. But, uh uh, it's like George Carlin says, um, it makes a, one word names makes him mad because he can't find out their last name to find out where they live to throw a bomb through their window. <laughs> uh, or I'm picturing also, that uh, scene in, uh, was it Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where they like get the internet? They get the list of all the people that made fun of them. Oh, yeah. man. That whole montage of them just of them tracking everyone down and beating, beating the piss out of them. Beating them mercilessly. Oh, that was a great scene. Okay. Especially back then. Very, yeah. They're like earlier days of the internet back then when it was mm-hmm. when it was just coming into forums and all these things were just starting to come into the the, the scene and them doing that uh, with the printout on the um, the green and white like dot matrix paper oh, yeah. that they had he had like that big giant that was like legal size pad mm-hmm. they had to go to movies yeah. to get it to get it in the restaurant right. to look it up right moviepoopshoot.com <laughs> oh god I forgot yeah. oh moviepoopshoot.com uh, you've probably already heard uh, another familiar voice, you know, one that you've heard how many times? Six? It's got to be six, including be six that last time. episode that ended it, so yeah, the, the previous one. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, yeah, number six. Number four for you, Coop, I think. Yeah. I believe this will be your fourth time yes. in. Yeah, yep. so mm-hmm. you guys are both old old salt. It's old hat. It's and, old... and if you don't know, my name is Mike Vallis. That's right, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, Mike Vallis and Coop and I, uh, we, uh, we have a couple things that uh, we were going to talk about. Uh, we went and uh, we saw some movies. What movies did we, did we go see? We saw, well, we, was, we didn't see them all together. Yeah, yeah. But we, saw, we, we, we discovered that we all finally saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And last night, I actually saw Wonder Woman. So. Okay. So what did uh, we, well, since we all saw it. Let's start with Guardians. What yeah. did we think of uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy Part or Volume Volume Two Volume Two Volume Two Yeah, crap. Oh yeah, no. Well, all right. <laughs> it was amazing. I, I really loved it. As I said uh, before, because I saw it before you, right? And I said I thought it was better than the first one. Yeah. And now we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, and we had kind of a, a disagreement. Um, well, you and I. Vallis. Yeah, about did, gifts did not, and gifts. Did not, well, that was earlier. <laughs> we, we resolved that, and the, the answer is... Or did we? The, <laughs> <laughs> and the final answer on that was the creator of the format is wrong. Because, oh, really? Right, you remember this? Because, no, actually, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do have a vague memory. The of creator of the format pronounces it GIF. But as it turns out, that's not a cr- correct pronunciation of it well, based on like what according the english to, language according, yeah according to the english language and mm-hmm. uh, you know lingua you know ling, if you, he's not a linguist he's a, he created a a um, you know a graphics format he's not mm-hmm. a linguist so but apparently the internet thinks that his you know all right he made up the format but he named it wrong oh okay according to the the internet masses so i was saying it the way the creator said it but I, he's wrong and i'm wrong and 
everybody who says it the other way, GIF is correct. Oh, cool. I was correct. You're wrong. Uh That was, (laughs) well, I only was going by with the creator, but yeah. Feature seeks the creator. Now, uh, I don't have the train wreck sound effect anymore, but if I did, I would play it because we've already, you know. Derailed this. Yeah, five minutes in, we've already, uh, we've already killed it. I don't remember you were going to say Our our disagreement that we had was um, uh, you and I, Valis, were, were like, we thought it was better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coop, however, has a, a different kind of a opinion on on that. Yeah, it's it to me. It's not that I. Uh, this is very similar to our discussion about Force Awakens and Rogue One. Mm, yes, it, it, it's not that I dislike the second one. So let me start off with that. It's right. not that Volume Two is bad. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good movie. I like the first one better, mainly because you're getting to learn all the characters in that movie. So you're getting them to be established where. I feel like the second one was almost a version of the characters playing like, well, this is who I was in the first one, so this is who I have to be just the same as I was in the first one or even amped up as myself again. Yeah. Like they're they're playing themselves from the first movie instead of playing themselves in a new story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we were saying before the podcast, an actor that's really known for being able to do that is – uh, is Bruce Willis now. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't matter what name, what the plot is, whatever the story is in the movie, it's Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis. Yeah. Or um, Morgan Freeman? No, because, <laughs> I mean, similar but not as bad. I, I it's Vince Vaughn in the, in the world of comedy has become like Vince Vaughn playing Vince Vaughn. Johnny Depp, yeah. uh, we were talking about, uh, I just saw, uh, the new Pirates of the Caribbean, and I'm not a huge fan of the franchise as a whole, anyway. But it's like it's Johnny Depp trying to play the version of Captain Jack Sparrow that he originated himself. It's like it's it's not even a, the character anymore. It's like him trying to be that more than he ever should be. Yeah, and, and that's where I I find that happening a bit in Guardians, like with Rocket especially. I mean, we we discussed how Rocket is basically the basis of why this whole movie takes place. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, this is Rocket. And we already know that from the first one. But this is how he's got to be. So we're going to box him in and then we're going to give you more of that just because it's that way. The only character that I felt like really you got to see more of another side of them that had been around um, is Drax. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Which is ironic considering the fact that he's almost – he's kind of meant to be a one-sided character. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's why they were able to expand them more because they, there is no precedent for what you can or can't. Well, I'll do. tell you one thing that I was saying. Well, after seeing this, I actually would like to see the next Guardians movie not be focused on Star Lord again. Yeah. Because I'll agree with you that. And it's ironic that you said that because I actually wanted to see more story with Drax because you, you could tell he does have a good spec story. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there funny. could be some really good development with him. Well, mm-hmm. and he was very funny. Yeah. Um, the other two things that I noticed, one I didn't mention before that just came to mind now, uh, is the soundtrack of this movie th- is basically one big mixtape from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. I know that's the theme. I've seen the posters. I know that's what they're going for. The whole, you know, his Walkman. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. All the tie-in. I get it. But, I mean, they took it to a whole new level in this movie where basically, basically every piece of music is a song that goes on the soundtrack album. Yep. Yeah. And it's and it's fine, but it's like there are certain points in a movie where you're expecting that orchestra 
to to guide you through like a space battle or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, yet you, you've got other songs playing that were on the radio at one time. And it's like, I I see how they fit. The lyrics fit to the moment that's in the movie. But when you're programmed, I guess since we were kids with Star Wars, Star Trek, or any any movie that takes place in space, you need have, to have the epic orchestrated at least. Somewhere in James there. Horner thing. Well, going. I always bring up. Speaking of, you know, the whole James Horner thing. All the the, uh, the one I always bring up is Star Trek Three, and you're watching Star. I Trek thought you were going to say the theme song to Enterprise. Oh, for crying out loud! Why <laughs> would you ruin my moment? Road. Start. Oh God! <laughs> Getting from there to here. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, see, you now know, that's what you're talking about. It's better than having the Tetris. I'd, I'd rather stuff. hear that. Well, that's true, too. I'd rather hear that theme song than Voyagers any day, though. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, I, I lost my train of thought. Now. You're oh, talking about Star the, Trek 3. Yeah. Star Trek 3, where they steal the Enterprise because they're going to go help Spock. Mm-hmm. And there's the scene where the Enterprise is backing up. How mm-hmm. can you have a yellow alert? In- yeah. How can you have a yellow alert in space dock? Exactly. And it's it's just the Enterprise backing up, and 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 you could easily replace the soundtrack with the sound of beep 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 beep. <laughs> but that soundtrack makes that scene of that ship backing up at five miles per hour seem like the most epic thing you've ever seen in your life. That the soundtrack. Space doors aren't opening. The space doors aren't open, and Scotty's working on it, and the the Excelsior's powering up, and all these things are. But it's really just the Enterprise backing up. But because the music is so epic. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, so do we like lose some of that in Guardians? Is that what you're trying to say? I, I think so. And I, it's not that there's a number of songs in the movie that I actually liked growing up myself. So it's not see, like I dislike the, the songs. It's just there's too much of it. It's like Well, it's, see, here's the thing. This Maybe this is why this doesn't affect me that much because I'll admit I'm, de- I'm definitely geeking and stuff like that. A lot of those songs I didn't know. I mean, I'm caught them, heard them, maybe occasionally. So I didn't know the lyrics or anything. Like you said, you grew up with those songs. I was never one of those that grew up. I mean, I was kind of like with, you know, we were talking with Rad and stuff like that. When I had my first, like, Walkman, I was, like, recording, like, the soundtrack to Bloody Wolf, yeah. the Turbo Graphics game. I wasn't, like, you know, listening to, like, you know, Van Halen or anything like, like that. So so um, I guess for me, it did work in that it, it was, I guess, new songs. It, I wasn't... I didn't. I couldn't associate those songs with anything else that I've listened to before. And, and like, like I said, the, the lyrics they did do a good job of matching yeah. the lyrics up to the moments that are taking place with the song. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that as much as it's like you're used to seeing those scenes where the like you're saying in Star Trek Three, where the music gives you a build of momentum and feeling that you're supposed to be feeling. It draws on the proper emotions, and. I think when you have lyrical music by you know musicians and artists that people know, everybody has a different memory of a song if they know the song mm-hmm. that applies to it maybe a different moment in their life. That's or, what I'm saying. I didn't have that. Right. It, but because most of these songs are more mainstream, like perfect example in the in Guardians 2 is uh, there's a song uh, called Lakeshore Drive. Mm-hmm. That's about Chicago. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid. I used to play that song when I would be driving down Lakeshore Drive on purpose because it was like summer, the windows down, blast that song. It just was all part of the the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like it didn't take away anything from me from Guardians. It didn't ruin it or anything. It's just like I'm thinking about that moment in my life because of that song. <laughs> Even subconsciously. That's an interesting, right. yeah. I hadn't that hadn't that hadn't occurred to me. That's an interesting perspective on it because I 
like Valis. And I listened to video game soundtracks mm-hmm. growing up. I mean, that was always what I had video game soundtracks and like the Transformers, the movie soundtrack. Yeah. And like, so like all I had. Yeah. yeah. And like Weird Al. That's like, that's all I had, you know, but so, so it's really interesting to hear like a perspective of somebody who actually like listened to mainstream music say, well, this didn't work for me because reasons. And I'm also going to say something else that I thought about. The one thing I also like, because yes, while I do love my orchestrated soundtracks where, you know, it builds up the scenes and perfectly, you know, when there's so many internet radio stations right now called just like Epic movie soundtrack oh, sure. and it's just all the epics james horner stuff that they put in mm-hmm. everything from like gladiator to star wars the one thing i will say about the music in guardians is it does give guardians its own identity away from the other uh science fiction shows yeah yeah, yeah. based on that yeah, music it does too. stand out differently so i mean i guess you know glass half thing- full glass half empty if you want to see a move like if you're programmed as i said earlier like programmed to be waiting for that orchestra Conform. music form conform yeah. or you could be like look we're different we're not doing it the way everybody else did it i can respect it and that's why i said i don't i don't well hate here's it. something I in defense for you very strongly here's something in defense for you and the thing that rad was uh talking about i call you rad uh, <laughs> um it is his base like you were talking about that nobody with the calls him that <laughs> nobody calls him rad but anyways Yes, you were talking about that whole scene with, you know, the Enterprise backing out. There was different inflections in that music and stuff like that, too. Taking the pop culture track, there's only one type of theme going through that. It's usually the entertainment side. It doesn't build to the scene where it's like goes to a slow crescendo and then the exciting, you know, oh, my God, you know, revelation thing. Now, I know the song that I was being specific about, the Lakeshore Drive song. I'm very, very sure it was uh, made before I was even born. Mm-hmm. And that's going back now. So I don't think the generation that you know Marvel's probably targeting more than us uh, would ever even know that song. Yeah. Or like in your guys' case, like you didn't listen to mainstream music, so you wouldn't have known it either. I don't think that they're worried about that. I think it works on, on many levels. It's mm-hmm. just for me personally, or and I imagine for people that have maybe not just that song, um, the song where his mom and Kurt Russell are driving in the car in the beginning I of the movie. I made love to that song. Yeah, There's people that... No, I didn't, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify. Yeah, and then whoever that was that said that, too, because that wasn't you. That was some high-pitched woman's voice. Yeah, yeah clearly. Right. Who are you? <laughs> How'd you get down here? I'm Spirit of what's-his-face with oh. the no tongue? Oh, uh, Denny. Yeah, Denny. There you oh, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Denny. one of the protesters slipped down here finally. Right. right. <laughs> We've broken through. Um, Watch out for the dog. But those songs, they might have a tie in some capacity, like my short example does. And then your mind wanders, even for a moment, and it takes it takes your mind off the movie. And I just want to stay on the movie. So there I'm sitting there, I'm watching the scene. It's just Star-Lord's ship flying away. So it's not like I'm missing some serious plot point. But as it's flying away, I'm sitting there thinking about myself in my 84 Grand Prix mm-hmm. on Lakeshore Drive and not thinking about the movie, even for a couple minutes. There's nothing wrong with that. But I can see how that could give you that like psychological, takes you out of the movie yeah. just for a second. And I remember movies like back in the day where, you know, like where Madonna would be, or Prince is a good example for Batman. The nerd culture audience. Sure. He does the Batman soundtrack. Yeah. But he does the Batman soundtrack. Right. Exactly. So... You where movies are done by artists doing songs is okay, but because all these songs are like just a collection of like greatest hits from different people, yeah. mm-hmm. it just didn't feel like a smooth flowing soundtrack. It just felt like 
let's throw another song in there because this is going to be on the CD or the M, you know, however they release albums. I guess it would be like if we were watching the scene where, um, oh God, who's, uh, I always call him Merle. Um, the guy when he, the arrow. Oh, Yandu. Yandu, yeah. It, I guess it would be the scene if you see the arrow going out and whatever, instead of whatever soundtrack they were playing, they were playing Gungam style or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's something to be said for saving some of that music for um, like a big scene. Mm-hmm. Um, a case I can use is uh, anime. Like anime will have what's called an insert song. Where it's What's like, that snoring? Is that is that Coop? Is that <laughs> no, wow? Well, you just I mixed asleep well, you know the word this, anime came up. Well, you know this already, so I'm going to explain it to Coop and people who don't watch anime. But as you know, when something really big happens in an anime, there's there's not any like music with lyrics in anime mm-hmm. as a general rule. But yeah. when something big happens, there's an insert song, and that's the song where they they're, they're like there's a song with lyrics, and it's either like a Japanese pop song, or it's a song specifically written for that scene by somebody. You well, know, and I think and that like, would give it more of an impact, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, now this is something big. You know, I can give you an example, Vallis. Um, when Gohan finally gets angry enough to become Super Saiyan two, and there's that insert song playing, right? Do you know the scene I'm talking about? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Oh, it's like, smack! <laughs> I'm giving That's an example. I'm giving an example of like a huge <laughs> moment when something happened, and mm-hmm. you know. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then suddenly you'd hear the da You hear yeah. the. It would start with the initial because all the job, the J-pops and all the anime songs start the same way. It starts the little musical crescendo, then goes to a small build. theme, and then boom, it kicks into the lyrics. Yeah. So yeah. And when the lyrics kick in, then that's when you know the big fight's coming yeah, out. Yeah, so there's like always a build. So in Guardians, it's like, well, every scene in the movie is is that. So it's like maybe something is lost. I'm 90% sure in, in the first Guardians. That's maybe why it didn't affect me either. Yeah, yeah. I they, play, like the they play the songs in the first Guardians, like the mainstream songs. Yeah. But they also have an orchestral. Well, this one did too. It had the dun, 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 like the Guardians theme from the first movie too. Right, was but in I'm, this, but but it was much it was much scaled yeah, scale much it was more down on scaled this scaled back. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and that to me they did it right in the first one. They gave you enough of those songs off his cassette that his mom left him. This one they kind of overdid it, and that, and that kind of wraps back to my original theme of they're really trying hard. To take what they did right in the first one and and like amp it up, amp it up, yeah. reemphasize it, push it more. Yeah, like you know, we were at a you know we were at five. Let's push it up to eight or nine now with, mm-hmm. with the character, think... with the songs, with just the overall theme of it. And it but I would argue it, that was, was actually the... what I wanted. Now I will agree with you. Will that work a third time? No, no. <laughs> I, I might agree with you on that. Yeah, right. But seeing especially how you described it that way, I guess when you describe it that way, I always said, "Well, that's what I wanted in Guardian too. I wanted everything, but just more." Yeah. But now I think you're right. Now it's actually you can't do that a third time. That trick. Well, and and again, and not as a fan of the franchise, and not to try to really compare them too directly, but it is another Disney property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean, the very first one, is actually a really, really good movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of start going downhill from there, and then it just becomes like... But it's, I didn't even know if I was going to watch this new one. Mm-hmm. But it had been some, I think, five years or something since the last one, so I figured, why not? Yeah, right. And, and it's like, it's it hasn't changed a bit. It's <laughs> just like Captain Jack Sparrow isn't as cool and neat anymore. It's played out. It's been done. You know, it, it's just... It's Johnny Depp. In another movie, wearing a different hat than he did the last time he was... And being silly. Yeah. It's like... I've been saying that about him for a while. Here's Johnny Depp playing a quirky character with a hat. 
It's well, a- I think a lot of that goes with it. When they did the first Caribbean, I don't think they designed they designed it with a trilogy in mind. Absolutely not. I, I yeah. believe they've flat out said they didn't expect it to do as much as it has worldwide, especially. Yeah. But when I went to watch it, it was like I know what to expect if I'm ex- you know based on everything I saw in the past from this franchise. I'm yeah. like, hopefully it won't be, and it was exactly exactly the exact same thing again, all over again. And I'm like, yeah, I think that but been the there, first done one- that. The first one even came out at a time before this whole thing started where a movie comes out. Oh, did well, planned a bunch of sequel. You know, it was just like back then movies just came out. Yep. There, there wasn't this mm-hmm. whole, you know. Yeah, we got it. We're going to be doing three before we even make one. Yeah. So the which, first one, which, by the way, is why I refuse to ever see any of the Matrix sequels. <laughs> I've only ever seen the first one and I want to keep it that way. If everything that I've heard was true of the, th- of the other two. You've never seen the Matrix sequels? No. I, I refuse to. Damn, you are so lucky. <laughs> I don't know. The second one's not <clears throat> horrible. The, the second and third, third one, one are was... garbage compared to the first one. Well, I, I'm compared, not. Compared, I, well, that yeah. was the thing. I, that was the thing for me with Matrix. Matrix told the story it needed to tell. Yeah. That's I didn't need anything more than that. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting world to see that as a pose, but it's like I didn't need anything more than that. It told its story. Yeah, I guess, he got I'll, his powers. He's got. He's breaking the Matrix. That's all you need. Well, here's Holy the problem. Shit, the... Spoilers. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't hit the spoiler alert in time. Is that like 1999? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's a little late. Um, the um, So for all you coma patients out there <laughs> sorry. who are listening to Rad's Basement. Sorry about that. Coma. Just woke scare up. scare you away. <laughs> they put this on their um, They're not garbage. But when you compare them to the first one, they really are. I would agree. Yeah. And see, we'll be able to venture in this a little more than you because you didn't see them. But I agree. The first one stands alone. Mm. And and honestly, with a lot of movie franchises, I don't think you know people have such high expectations for sequels when when the first ones are really really good. It you you know the bar is set high. There's hardly a good chance you're going to be able to hit it again. You just hope to come close. Um, you know, very rarely do you get like a second movie actually better than the first. Empire Strikes Back is the only the one that comes to my mind right away. Better than A New Hope, mm-hmm. but. When you take the Matrix, so you set the bar high with that, I understand the second one's going to drop off no matter what. The third one is pretty pretty awful. But I maybe I'm sentimental about the second one because it was like the first movie I saw in an – like a regular movie that I saw on an IMAX screen. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the experience and the, and the feeling like off of the love that I had for that first one. I was so pumped. I'm like, I want to see this. I can't wait till it comes out. And I'm going to see an IMAX. This is going to be crazy good. So I think I went in brainwashing myself that it was going to be better than it was and believed it for a while until um, until it came out, I think, on, on DVD or HD DVD where they have the playground scene. Yeah. And you can see the CGI much right. clearer. Right. And it, and it really takes away from it. Mm-hmm. And it starts to really tell you just the how much of a drop off the really was. Yeah. yeah. Um, Worth watching at least one time, I'd say, all the way through just to get the whole scheme of what – if no, no. no, we're shaking our Ray, uh, Ray and I are shaking I, I our could heads. Do it. No, Vallis right hasn't seen it. I have seen it. We're both shaking our heads. I could do it. I could sit through the whole thing one so time. The, the, the second one, the second Matrix, the, the whole movie? trilogy. I'm sure if time. somebody sat down with thumb screws and hit me, I could probably sit through that too. It doesn't mean I want to. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, the, uh, the sequels were just, it, it's a classic mistake that some writers make. Uh, making the main character too powerful. Mm-hmm. And you write yourself into a corner. Uh, the TV show Heroes did this Agreed. with the character Peter Petrelli. 
gave him the the ability to absorb everybody's power and he became like this god figure and then the writers were like well where do we go from here you know and so then they ended up like having to take away his powers and like like nerf him and make him like you know more on an even playing field with the mm-hmm. other with the other heroes and villains and it just got lame really fast you know you and that's about a show that had no real set blueprint for where yeah. they were going to go with it yeah. and did not expect the success that they Lost. got well, that could be one <laughs> but heroes is that show is that well show heroes originally it as was I really heard, good in the beginning yeah as i heard it i don't know if this is true or not but as i heard it it was originally supposed to be an anthology series where every season New was characters. a different just a different yep. set of characters yeah, okay that is true so they're like we can make this guy as powerful as we want because we're going to be doing it'll be the story will be over with yeah, yeah he's gonna be gone but then people responded and loved the character so much that they were like we need to keep all these actors and people around and rewrite the the uh, the finale so that everybody stays here blah 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 mm-hmm. so like up until the second to last episode the show was like amazing and then the finale like it completely fell apart because you could just blatantly tell it was all rewritten to keep all these characters together and in the show and it fell apart and never recovered for three seasons. That's oh, very wow. true. So the ex- show, yeah, the show lasted four seasons, never recovered from. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, I remember everybody was all excited. They just kind of like petered off. I actually have never seen an episode of Heroes just because I heard how many people got disappointed with it. Yeah, later. the first season. It's I don't like, man, you watch it and there's like, okay, so there's there's you count in the fourth season that the the last one that they re released as a fourth. The season? fourth season there it was four seasons. The, the new original one. run. The, the new run? the new one was a fifth season. Oh God! Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't watch that. I didn't either. But um, the the main character is this guy named Peter. Okay, and he just he has the ability to uh, absorb other people's powers. Okay, so he can mm-hmm. he can like get their powers. Over. Basically, people are mutants. For anybody who hasn't yeah. seen the show, Basically, yeah. So everybody's mutants. got different superpowers. Not everybody, but like a select few people. Have and so this person's rogue. So he yeah, there you go. Basically, but he, he but he can keep the powers. Mm-hmm. He he can hang on to them. Um, there's this other fella by the name of Siler who is played by Zachary Kinto, the new Spock in the new Star Trek movies. Uh, Siler can do the same thing, but he has to murder the person to get the power. So Siler is going around murdering all these people and they're trying to track him down. And, you know, Peter's like, I'm going to go after this guy and stop him because I've got all these powers too. And there's this one fella, and I think his name was Ted. I could be wrong, but Ted had the ability where he could make himself explode. Like he he can create an explosion and like blow up a whole city. And Siler mm-hmm. wanted the power because then if I get this guy's power, then I can, you know, I'm like unstoppable because I got this explody power. So, you know. Yeah, because I remember him playing on the rooftop. Well, that's with the, the trick. The... That's the scene right yeah. there. Long story short, Siler gets Ted's power. And then the last scene in the second to last episode is Siler standing on top of a building, looking over the city and like making little explodies in his hands. And he's like, boom. And you're like, oh, dang. And then the finale, garbage. So (laughs) you watch up to Siler standing on the building and just just in your mind create an ending. Yeah, draw it out yourself because that was so perfect. And then it just... That would be the perfect ending. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because you're like, oh, man, where's it going to go from here? And then it just falls apart. You you end up getting what you want technically because Peter and Siler is this build up through the season. Like, okay... These two are going to be like, you know, head to head. They're the only two that can handle each other. They finally get to that point where they are going to meet and they're going to fight. They're going to have it out. And I remember which, I think it was Siler when he used his powers, there was like a blue hue to things and Peter was red. What ends up happening is these two get into like this office building and they're in a room, like a conference room, a large size room on each end of the room. 
and they're like standing there with their hands glowing, like ready to start using all these different powers they have the ability to, to tap into. And somebody slams the door shut and you don't see it. All you see is from underneath the door, red and blue flashes like a like a like, like a, a club. A, a great battle is happening <laughs> on the other side of this door that we can't show you. Either that or a rave is going on in there. Because <laughs> you don't know say. the difference. That's all you see is glows coming from under the door and you're like, Are you serious? Yeah. I waited all season for these two to go at this is what I'm getting glows from under a door. Pow, that's and, it. And boom, bang, pow, boom, boom. Like you know, Office furniture getting thrown around in there. I mean, it was such a super, letdown. Yeah, super lame. Oh, it reminds super me lame. of, now that I want to transition to that, is uh, Godzilla, the more recent Godzilla one. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the when the Godzilla first appears okay. in the movie. You've, have you both seen Godzilla, the new Godzilla Not movie? the new yeah. one, no. Wait. Not the newest, newest one. The one, the 2014? Mm-mm. I saw I have that not one. seen it. Okay. There's actually a scene. One of the biggest complaints that people have, including myself have with it, is... There is literally only somebody timed out. There's only ten minutes of actual footage of Godzilla, oh, really, in total of the movie. <laughs> but like, for example, like there's the Muto. There's like the first time Muto's he's like attacking Hawaii. He's like smashing stuff, and then like Godzilla stomps in. He's like you know he stomps in, and like the creature turns and looks, and it pans up, and you see you got see Godzilla first time staring at Muto, does the like the whole bellow of the Godzilla roar, and you're like, oh my god, it's on. Then the scene cuts to a little kid sleeping. He turns around, looks at a laptop, and you see them, Godzilla, very quietly, because it's on a laptop, fighting, you know, it's like a live broadcast footage of, like, Muto fighting Godzilla, and then Muto flies off, and then Godzilla goes into the sea and goes uh, after him. Wow. I'm like, that was the fight, was literally like a, like a four-second clip. Well, in the previous, oh, no sound. The previous episode, the, the previous episode where we were talking about Mystery Science Theater, mm-hmm. and it was that uh, I was talking about that movie Time Chasers, where they were going to the future in that in, yes. that in that plane, and the only footage of the city they could show you was on that little LCD screen in the plane. <laughs> like they would never actually show you like the futuristic city. You only saw it on yeah. a little LCD because of budget, you know. So that's what it reminds me of when I hear about a movie that. When I hear about a Godzilla movie that doesn't want to show you Godzilla, that is, it was because I know it was done. It was done surprisingly under budget, and I'm positive that obviously was the scene. Yeah. yeah, the scenes that had Godzilla in it were amazing. What few there were. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm getting... just mad because I was told there would be like Godzilla sex, and there wasn't. Oh wow! No, what? No Where did Godzilla you read that? In that? That was somewhere at the time the movie came out. I was really let down. I was like. I'll pumped up for it. Were you actually really? <laughs> no. A- I was going to say, let alone be like, oh my God, I get to see Godzilla sex. That so. sounds like fake news to me. <laughs> um, but uh, getting back to the whole uh, writing yourself into a corner thing, I think that's what happened with the Matrix movie. I think at the end of the movie, when Neil flies off, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of a mistake to show that. If you had planned on doing anything in the future anyway, that's yeah. a mistake to show that. Now, if you're just going to make one movie... Cool. Perfect. Show that scene. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's sure he's going to fly yeah. off and he's going to take care of shit. Yeah. That's fine. But when you come out with a sequel, now here's this guy that can fly and do all these things. What can stand up to that? You know. So they're like, oh well, the very first, the very first thing that happens in the sequel is he fights a couple of agents and he goes to punch one and the dude grabs his fist and like blocks him and he's like, hmm, upgrades. It's like ah, so now we've established that Neo is like now. Back lower. Back, yeah, back down to... And if you remember, Coop, in the second season of Heroes, they changed Peter's power to, oh, well, now he can only absorb oh, one, one power at yep, a time. Yep. 
So, like, it was the same thing. They're like, what, what the hell are we going to do? This guy's so powerful now. Well, let's make it so he can only absorb one power yeah, at a time. Yeah, they weakened him significantly. He absorbs, mm-hmm. he absorbs a new power. He loses the last one he had. Let's oh, do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, so same thing with Neo. They did it in a different way by making the enemies more powerful, but it's more of the same. You know, well, what are we going to uh, Let's just uh, make the agents stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, upgrades, you know, one word to explain away. By the way, at this point, I do want to mention that uh, Ray and I are Dragon Ball Z fans, and we've never seen this before in the show at all, what he is describing. Oh, yeah. No, that's never happened. <laughs> no, that's that's not a thing that ever happens, certainly in uh, in Dragon Ball. No. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> Name one. Name one what? Well, one time that happened. When characters have, like... Off the top of your head. A Frieza. Well, How many go. times? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the most obvious one. So we go. Yeah, we're losing listeners by the uh, by by the truckload. So, so we're losing attendance. Yeah, yeah that's true. The, <laughs> there was a guy. There were three of us here. Now there's only two. For hey, he's already halfway out the door. Once we started mentioning Dragon Ball, I'm so sick of this shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, ultimately, oh, we're um, not going to talk about the carnival season of Heroes. No, for God's <laughs> oh, sake. God. That oh, was season God. four. Oh, season so four. Yeah, with that dude from. Uh, the dude from Prison Break was yeah. there. Oh. I can't remember that dude's name. I don't. I don't think he'd be all right with you not remembering his name in association to heroes. Like right. You're like, you're like, yeah, you want to talk about my? Oh, other it's work? all okay. right if you don't remember my name when you're associated <laughs> with that show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's um, um, the things I did like about uh, Guardians were the expansion of the side characters, characters like Nebula. And Yandu. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really, really, really liked that they made them like more relevant and gave them yes. like because the first Guardians, while it was good, it did have the, the the Marvel problem. There's a problem that a lot of the Marvel movies had, and it's that uh the villains are kind of lame. I think that a lot of the Marvel villains are are pretty lame. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you re- if you really wanted to, I could go down the line starting with uh Iron Man one. That is true. They're all they're usually just bigger versions or different versions of the main hero. Iron Man two. Yeah. Iron Man three. <laughs> so uh you know Dark, Thor the Dark Thor, World. Thor the Dark World. And that was Eccles. Christopher, Christopher Eccleston, Eccleston was, was yeah, the fault. villain and, and and uh he sucked. I'm sorry, you know. Uh you know what Christopher Eccleston I actually did. forgot that Christopher Eccleston was it's the main villain. It's not that he sucked, it the character sucked. The just yeah. The, yeah, the lame bad guys, even the first guardians, lame, lame bad guy, you know. Uh, Ronan, the accuser. Who who remembers him? You know, it's like just lame villains. You know, Guardians Two finally kind of fixed that, and on top of that, gave you you know some of the other like if you want to call them villain characters from the first movie, made them relevant. So you got a good villain, good main villain in Guardians Two, plus mm-hmm. the kind of side villains in Guardians One became real characters and not yes. just villains. So I really, which I was surprised about. The I really like that. Do. Yeah, it's like because I'm like, what possibly. You know, redeeming characteristics does Yandu have? He was a total dick in the first movie. Yeah, you know, and it turns out he's a really great guy. Yeah, <laughs> so it really. Like, it ultimately, in the end, we find out, and it played in really well with the first movie, like why he took him and he kept him. You know, yeah. So it, I, I, I really like that about it. That was uh, really cool. Um, but yeah, the actual main guardians, not too much development there. They were kind of like you said, just amped up versions of what they were. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. I think time. it was just, if I was going to say, if there's any development, maybe rocket realizing, you know, Oh, I'm, you know, because there was that whole thing with this whole argument with Yandu, mm-hmm. you know, realizing that they were almost They're the same. Kind of the same. Yeah. 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 I mean, there are moments. It's just the overall sense of, of how the characters were is like, 
I don't want to use the phrase played it safe, but they, they stayed within the boundaries for the most part mm-hmm. of what they already had, and you didn't you didn't get more of them. And again, not to drop back to Star Wars or something, but it's like as you go into a sequel in, in Empire Strikes Back, you, you're developing these people more. Mm-hmm. You know, you're building, I mean, whether you like it or not, the romance between Han and Leia, you know, compare that to the romance between uh, Star-Lord and um, Gamora. Gamora. It's just like, I've seen this all before. Mm. And sometimes that's what's starting to happen. And I, and I've, it's funny because I don't know if any of your guys' parents have ever said this, but it's like where it's like, they're like, I've seen this before. in like, you know, an old John Wayne or whatever movie it's like, maybe we're reaching that point in our lives where we've seen so much in whether it be (laughs) TV shows or movies or what have you that like, when we see it happening again, even if it's, we've slightly, seen so many stories. Yeah, we right. can see where it was like developed from, or the idea came from, or reminds us of another. It becomes so predictable, and we're like, "Oh, I see where this is going." You know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's like, and I, and not only have I seen this before, I've seen this done better before. I've I've been there, and actually, uh, my solution that is is to ask myself, "Did they enter?" Instead of saying, "Oh, I've seen this as cliche before," I will ask myself. Did they cleverly write this to a point to give to bring across a good point? Mm-hmm. That's how I combat that. Mm-hmm. Because that was the same way after I started watching several movies. I'm like, okay, I've seen this before. This is like this. It's like from Casablanca. This is from this. You know, <laughs> these are just all things. Yeah, I think it was a friend of mine commented there was that old Pam Anderson movie, Barbarella. I oh know of God. it. I didn't yeah. see it. Uh, oh, yeah, I haven't seen it either. But he he said that if if you real if you watch a movie, you realize that movie is Casablanca retold. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Like, wow! Like all the different things there, it is just Casablanca. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but I, so I asked you. myself, do I, I do when I go in there, like particularly for Guardians? Uh, there was a friend of mine who said it with the first movie, and I think it still applies to Guardians too. Do I expect a? He said when Guardians One came out, he said. Well, do I expect to see a good movie or no, but I am expecting a fun movie. Right. And I think that's what I went with Guardian. So like when the Gamora thing came up with him, I was just like, I, I, you know, I watched it for there. I'm like, okay, how are they going to entertain me in this one? And they made a couple of jokes here and there. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I took it for what it was. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, for me. That's really all you need to hook me, you know. I don't need like you know Academy Award shit, you know. I right. need I need it to be fun, right? You know, that's that's all. Well, I'm and there, there's for only so much human. Uh, when I say we've seen a lot of this before too, there's only so much uh, leeway you have in human nature. Yeah, people are gonna fall in love. They're gonna fall in love. They're gonna hate each other. I mean, there are only so many emotions and so many ways mm-hmm. to express it too. So just because you've seen them before, you shouldn't get so well, hard on seeing it. Again, because I've like, actually got a perfect example. Right. I got a perfect example for you. So we brought up Dragon Ball now many times. We'll do one for Coop with Supernatural. Well, there you go. Uh, literally, the scene uh, we were talking about. Spoiler alert for people who haven't uh, gotten to the end of uh, or near the end of um, season twelve. Oh my god! There was the scene where Mister Catch was like had the had the boys. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like he was like, he was about to shoot them. I'm like, come on, mom, shoot him, yep. shoot him. It was absolutely predictable. So right. there. But I didn't mind it because no, that's kind of how the story presented because itself. Because if anybody was going to kill him, it should have been her. And it should have been her. So you knew it was it was going to make sense for it to happen yeah. that way. It, it's true. It's just it, there are points where you just you're seeing things played out again, and it's sometimes it bothers you, sometimes it doesn't. But you always have to take it with the mindset of well, 
we're only within a certain realm of of an emotional scape that we can play with. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to make humans do things that are they can't do. Yep. The only other thing I before if we move if we're getting ready to move off of Guardians, the only other thing I <laughs> wanted to bring up that we were talking about earlier uh, was the very first thing that struck me in that movie outside the soundtrack. Oh, put a pause on that. One other thing about the soundtrack that that proves my point that it's kind of forced in a little bit. Like the very first battle scene in the movie, they have to play music. Oh, sure. And they make a point of saying they have to play the music. They did it almost all the scenes. Yeah. And then later they bring it up again. Like they're like, well, yeah, it's because Peter's got to have music on when we're doing it. I was like, no. Marvel wants the music on. Peter probably doesn't need it on every time. You guys need it on because you've got this idea that you have to pump this soundtrack. Yeah, I think at mm-hmm. one point they're like, got any of Peter's music? So oh, that's that was with Yandu yeah. and uh, Rocket going through the ship. Yeah. Well, wiping out everyone. Yeah, right. right. It, it, I mean, maybe that's them poking fun of what they know they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's fine. But, I mean, I'm noticing, like, tone it down a little bit like you did in the first one would yeah, be right. fine. But don't make every scene about that. Back, unpause, back to the other thing I was going to mention. The first thing I recognize... You can't pause my podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I paused my thought. Okay. All right. All right. Free will and that, all. That works. All right. <laughs> um, the movie that came to mind while I, was wa- while I was in the theater watching Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and unfortunately, yeah, I love the guy. He's a good friend of mine and everything, but the guy I was with wouldn't have known if I would have poked him and said this. So, it, so I was sharing this thought with myself at the time. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Star Trek V. But done right. Yeah, you're some. Where basically you have a planet that's a god, more more or less, you know, and and, and just like now you're seeing it done the way it was meant to be done. Right. But they didn't have the budget for it at Paramount mm-hmm. or whatever when when Shatner directed Star right. Trek Five, and it's like, <laughs> oh, the god planet. Yeah, I know this. Yeah. I've seen this. So go ahead, give give me what I should have gotten in Star Trek Five. <laughs> and, and like I said, you were probably the only person around that made that connection and made that uh, I didn't even that make that connection until yeah, you I, told me it. Now it's totally completely didn't. obvious. And now I don't think I could see the movie ever again the same way. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. But but but, now, but but it's true now that it you is. said it. It's like, oh my God, it is like a lot it, a lot of parallels to Star Trek five and like maybe, yeah, this could have been like you Well know, it's the, uncharted, nobody knows where it is. I mean, there's a there's differences and similarities for sure. I mean, because in Star Trek five obviously, you know everybody's seeking it out whereas in this one nobody's really looking for it mm-hmm. um peter's taken to it yeah, yeah you know it's uncharted because it wants because kurt russell wants to be remain hidden whereas in the other movie it's because it's being it's trapped there yeah on purpose mm-hmm. so i there are differences but the idea the concept as a planet of itself being a living god or entity i was like Pfft. I've seen this. Mm. Back to that. Seen this before. Better do it right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, you can't. I can't. I can't un. I can't unsee that now. You know, I can't. <laughs> but it's, it's like you said, Val. So it's like now it's you're gonna. So it's actually about, not ruined at all knowing that. No, 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 no. It doesn't ruin it. it. No. But it's something to think about. It's something that nobody else probably thought of, but you thought of it, and now. Oh, I'm sure there's many Trekkies out every, there. Who everybody listening. I don't know, man. Star Trek Five. Does that does that come up a lot in anybody's brain besides it, yours? Tra- I mean? Not mine. I was gonna say for Trek fans, definitely, yeah. I can see. Yeah. Again, it didn't ruin it for me either. I'd be interested to go online. Recognizing it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Seen this tried, uh, tried. Keyword tried before. Let's see how they do it Mm -hmm. with with a modern budget and you know much better effects and And Kurt Russell. 
Yeah, well, right. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I mean, I, I best villain since uh, Loki. You know, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can say he's he's just. It, it's great when they get like older actors like that. That like this, he knows his shit. You know, he's yeah. on, when he's on screen, he's you know he's an. But actor. He kind of plays himself though. Does he? Yeah, see, see, there you go. Now place. you're doing it. Now you're looking that's at a good point. Well, that's Kurt Russell being Kurt Russell. <laughs> now you're right. No, you, you actually you are correct, correct. Yeah, that is. It's Kurt Russell being Kurt Russell. He's playing himself. Yeah. So, I think yeah. sometimes we have because I'm like the one who kind of got that ball rolling on that i that concept. I'm not owning it because it's open to everybody. But I'm saying sometimes I think we take mannerisms and mm-hmm. their acting style and maybe apply it to that thinking of well, that's just. Kurt Russell or Bruce Willis or Vince Vaughn being themselves, or in the case of or in the case of Guardians, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, with his amazing two cameos in the movie. Well, it was an interesting thing too. Uh, back on Gaming AM, Tom used to mention how um, when he watched uh, Daredevil season two, and there was John Bernthal as the Punisher, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, there's John Bernthal being John Bernthal." You know, he's doing his Shaneisms that he did in Walking Dead. You know. When he's, uh, you know, when he's on, uh, you know, the funny part is, I actually didn't realize that was Shane from Walking Dead. Yeah. But now that you see it, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, he just seemed like because I was saying how awesome he was in 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 the show. I'm like, man, John Bernthal, just like he's he's so awesome as the. Punisher, I don't know. Really. Shane doesn't Shane doesn't like go on the blustering rampant like when you know in in Daredevil when um mm. he would be Frank Castle's going like oh you haven't seen. No. I'm plugging for those who can't say I'm plugging my earphones. Plugging with my your phone. earphones. <laughs> That are impossible to block. Exactly. Well, I, I the guess the sound I is saying. impossible to block. But uh, I, I guess this is a really spoilers. But when he's but, but when he's arguing, he's like, "These are my decisions, my choice. I'm doing my way. They stay down." You know, yeah. Shane, Shane really didn't do that yeah, until like literally like maybe the final episode. Yeah, was Shane it. was very reserved and very like, and he, low, he was manic. low key. He was low key. Yeah, the Punisher was to a point, but he was controlled. It's basically Daredevil and Punisher arguing ideologies mm-hmm. and they start getting very loud with each other because they are who they are, you know? Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, Shane didn't really scream. Whereas, you know, um, Punisher did. Yeah, he did. You know, <laughs> when he really and like the courtroom and stuff like yeah. that. He would explode. Yeah. But Tom was, uh, you know, he was like, you know, uh, he was just, that was, you know, he was, I just saw Shane, you know, when I watched, but it. now conversely, here's the funny thing that you'd bring up the walking dead. I again that one friend of mine who told me his name's Carl. He brought up um, the other thing that when he mentioned that I want to see a fun movie, he did also mention the other thing about. I can't believe I forgot his name again. Blue guy. Oh, Yandu. 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 Thank you. He played Merle from Walking Dead, <laughs> and he, that's the case. And Yandu was. Merle yeah. or Merv what's his name? Merv, Merv? Yeah, something like that. Merle, yeah. I'm totally screwing up. I'm sure I'm just offended every Walking Dead fan out there. Um, I think it's Mer- Merle's brother. Yeah, Daryl's brother. Yeah, and but he he played that same character, right? You know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I see. He just had that straight down accent there. I just <laughs> tell about it like that. I, All I, he had to do was just put in a little bit of racism in there to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. you know. I, I I guess I haven't watched Walking Dead enough to make that you know. Well, mm-hmm. and this is a classic thing that I know you read in interviews or see in live interviews with actors and actresses that they get worried about being stereotyped into a role. Mm-hmm. And now you can see why that they have that fear. But if you are really good at your craft, I would imagine you can do 
different roles and and have the audience not see you as that other person. That is that's true. that's yeah. the trick. That's what makes you know make put you another level ahead of the other actors. And I think that also worked in uh, Yandu's case because they also put him in a slightly different role in Guardians too. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, especially towards the end. So yeah, he I was saw on... I, the whole time. I just saw the dad from Mallrats, the game show host. There's a meme on the internet floating around right now where Brody is standing next to Yandu offering him a chocolate covered pretzel. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I, you know, some of these actors, they might not be able to help it. It's our own perception. It's not their fault. Some of them, it might be their fault. You know, to me, I think somebody like a Bruce Willis, at this point, it's just lazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's just lazy because there's no way you can keep doing it over and over and over. And have it turn out the same way if you're not trying. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but Kevin Smith, I know you've seen plenty of them. Kevin sure. Smith does his Q&A stand-ups. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've seen like maybe one or two of them. They're really good, yeah. especially the old ones. Yeah. Um, the last one I saw was where he, uh, Too Fat for 40, Yes. where it's his 40th birthday. And he does a, a huge talk about uh, when he was doing Cop Out. And he and he talks to Bruce Willis and he's like trying to be like really nice and, and to him and everything and says like I need David Addison from Moonlighting in this scene I need you to do that and he gets all like I guess Bruce Willis gets all flustered and like kind of pissed off like you want me to pull some shit out from like twenty years ago that I did you really think you know like I just got that at the ready like all this like dramatic bullshit mm-hmm. and then when it comes time to filming the scene he surprises Kevin Smith and he does it. So it's like to me, you've got the arsenal, you've got the repertoire to to do more than than what you do. So in his case, anyway, especially hearing that story, to to see him keep doing the same thing over and over just tells me he's lazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. I'm gonna make. Like, I have the ability many... to do these things, but I ain't gonna do it. I just you know. And I guess it goes in with the writing too. Thinking in reflection to Yandu, they gave him a lot more material to work with here. Very like an emotion, that emotional scene with him and Rocket, yeah. and even more humorous scenes like when he's coming down with the arrow, going "I'm Mary Poppins," <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> which I love. Oh, <laughs> that was awesome! But uh, I'm gonna move on from this just for the sake of time, uh, because I want to uh, also get a little bit of insight uh, to another movie that you. Had he's looking at me. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I but I think it was Cooper who asked the the one question is, is it Marvel good? So here's the thing. I'm and I said this to you guys already, but I'm just gonna say it again for the sake of the podcast that I read online, everybody's saying, oh, it's the best DC movie. Well, of course it's the best DC movie, because what do you got to compare it to? I know freaking like if you watch the old Shazam movies or the Shazam TV series, it's better than <laughs> DC well, yeah. ones. And that was my actual question was, is it Marvel good or is it just not as bad? Like, is it just not DC bad? Yeah. Right. yeah it's And if I had to lean on there, I would say it's not DC bad. Yeah. I That would be, I was not saying Marvel. I'm not dissing the movie at all. I did enjoy it. And if somebody said, you want to watch it again? I mean, I don't know if I want to pay for it again, but if somebody would sit down, I'd watch it again. Okay. There were some good scenes. There was some good humor in there. Some interesting things, but it was wow. a very base. It was humor. a story. and humor. Humor. Yeah. I know. Completely. It colored me shocked in there, too. I mean, I think it was, uh, I forget what YouTube thing uh, they said. Ever since Chris Nolan 
destroyed the Batman franchise, in my the, opinion. Uh, the, yeah, the DC Universe has what I've heard referred to online as the Nolan problem, in quote. Yeah, I call it Nolanizing a yeah. movie. And what that basically translates to is when you suck the fun out of a franchise. Well, the Red Letter Media guys even made a poster for Man of Steel, and they just photoshopped out Man of Steel, and it just wrote in the same font and everything, no fun allowed. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my biggest problems. So here, there was actually humor. In it there. There felt was... like it felt like real people participating in real events. Yes, although I will say that there was a little bit of tra- it felt a little enforced in some cases. Did you so. notice uh, any um, Instagram filters on it? Any color correcting? Any you know? Oh, it's definitely like got the uh, especially when uh, she leaves the mascara and goes into. Uh, the main world, you know, it, it definitely had that like darker monochrome, typical Nolanizing. So they are still kind of messing with the colors and stuff. Yes. Because like when I watch Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, I'm like, this is not what the real world looks like. No, I agree. The world doesn't look like this bluish. Drab. Yeah, yeah, like, bluish drab. There's a hue over everything. Yeah, yeah. why? Does... And this movie definitely does have that. Okay, well, I mean, you know, it sounds like they're heading in the right direction with you know better, you know. It, the, just real people involved in real events, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll never You've forget. You've got nowhere to go but up from yeah. being at the bottom. That's true, I guess. Really, I, you know, <laughs> who's down shall fear no fall. I'm, I'm <laughs> very good. The uh, classic series, Doctor. Actually, it's a quote from Buntum. The uh, the, <laughs> the thing that um, it was all, yeah. Just seeing that that movie, it just like it takes you out of what's going on when you see. When it's colored that way, to me, anyway, mm-hmm. it's just like, people are like, oh, well, you know, just like, see it for what it is. It's like, I'm trying to see it, but it's like... Yeah, weird... I see the atmosphere that they're trying to create. Now, I will actually say that was a little distracting for me in Wonder Woman, simply because also she was like, you know, and maybe it helped a little bit because she was to... She, of course, had the colorful outfit when she goes into fight. Well, most of the time uh, when she's in the world, she's covered up, you yeah, know, because okay. they're trying to say, like, you look out of place here and stuff, which they did some humorous things with. I don't okay. want to spoil there. Yeah. But, you know, when she takes it off and she runs out into there, even the colors on her suit, even though they were a little muted, it did help a little bit with that. that like, oh, she's the colorful one in this muted world. I okay. get what they were trying to do with it. Well, I mean, it, Zach kind of started it um, with 300. Yep. And it works in that movie. And it, it, it yeah, there's a lot movie, of that. as it is, is his masterpiece. But it he was, tried to take what again what worked in that and translate it to other things. And it's it like just, no, it belongs there. Let's keep it there. Keep it in that movie. And, and they did that with a lot with Wonder Woman. Even the fight scenes did the where she's like fight fight, blah, you know, does the, the slow, slow motion, draw, yeah. the slow draw to punch, fight fight fight, slow to do the you know the sweep. You so know. you can kind of see the you knew it was going to go. Which bad. I kind of hate that. And no. even though they did it, and it works in Wonder Woman. I wish they didn't. They would cut that out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You knew it was going to go bad when when Watchmen came out. Yeah, because I never that's saw what, Watchmen. Because, so, and you're not missing anything. That's we, what you I and I watched that, didn't we? Yeah, and it, and we were so bored. Yeah, it was like God. When is it going to end? And it, it's like, but the visualization of that movie, it's like, okay, he's not keeping this locked in 300. This is his thing. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. he thinks it works on anything, yeah. and then like, no, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. Yeah. And now you, you I'll, now while I liked Wonder Woman, I agree that style I wish there was a little bit more lighter. You know, did you know that the the woman that directed Wonder Woman was originally supposed to do Thor the Dark World? Oh, really? Yeah. Really? She had Hattie like Jenkins, a, right? Yeah, and she had a different um like it's come out recently. Like she had a different story and everything okay. that she was going to do with it, like that would have uh where 
Uh, Natalie Portman's character was more involved in stuff, and but and it didn't obviously pan out. It got she marbleized. Yeah, and they did it their own way. But yeah, yeah. she was supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, I always remember like, her idea actually sounded better than what they. Ended well, that's up with. the thing. Yeah, like Marvel, Marvel, they they tend to play it safe a lot, you know. And I think that's JJ <laughs> Abrams. There you go. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, again, it's 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 all more of the same. It's just like, well, this, you know, this works. This will draw in money, but we're not going too far. You know, that's right. kind of the reason why Edgar Wright never directed Ant Man. Because, right, yeah, he had a lot of uh, yeah, he had a lot of ideas, ideas yeah. and they're like, well, that might be too. Let's play it more safe and get him out of here. And you know, I mean, you watch Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's like that movie has its own idea of what a movie is. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like bring a guy like that into the Marvel universe. Well, these are our constraints, and you can see him being like, well, I'm no. You know, <laughs> same thing with Joss Whedon. You know, I'm like, Ugh, you know, he's, did you hear he's he's taking over Justice? Well, let's League? talk about that. Well, let's talk about Who's that taking now. Over? Joss Whedon. Now, what? Yeah, Zack Snyder had to leave for personal family reasons. As much Joss as Joss Whedon's taken over. Yeah, as much as I, I would almost want to go see that. Then I don't. As much as I rail on, I don't want to. I agree, but if Joss Whedon's taking over, no, I this don't. is like a conundrum. No, I no, not for me. Actually, reinforces that I don't because I I don't know why, but I'm one of those people that feels very loyal to like certain things, and it's like. Just hearing I, it does feel like a betrayal. To, yeah, it does. Because he made the Marvel. He's right. the one who yeah. not just made Marvel. Right. He defeated the DC mythos of everything's got to be dead serious. Well, and Marvel no made the, the, the proper statement. Of course, what else are they going to say when he signed on to do Batgirl? And that, they're like, you know what? You know, we appreciate everything he did over here. We're right. happy with it. We wish him nothing but the best. Of course, that's what they're going to say. But behind the scenes, they're probably motherfucking them because I know I would be because I'd be like, you know, look, why? Don't go over to the competition. I mean, that's the word. Go do something. Go do. Go try to bring Firefly back. I, I was kind Don't of stunned they didn't there. throw him on Star Wars. Anywhere but there. And he goes mm-hmm. to DC. Okay. It's like, well, then, then they're probably consoling themselves with, well, all right. It's just bad girl. Whatever. Fine. No big deal. But then, no. But now no. he's doing the opposite of Avengers and doing, yeah. He's well, doing the. Here's yeah. the thing. As much as I rail on Zack Snyder, no one deserves what happened to him. Let me just say that outright right now. Uh, his daughter apparently committed suicide. Oh, I didn't and hear he that. had to obviously take his leave and and deal with life. Mm-hmm. And that's horrible. No one deserves that. You know, he's Agreed. I, I I've, I've said over and over he's a hack filmmaker and I stand by that. But no one <laughs> deserves that. That's yes. that's horrible. So it's very cruddy circumstances True. that Joss Whedon has to take over the thing. But that being said, you know the movie's already made. Okay, all he's doing is coming in and doing some reshoots. Oh, and, is he? Okay, yeah. So it's basically so it's like, not a it's not going to be a Joss Whedon rewrite. I'm not. You know, you can't. As they say, you can't polish a turd, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a movie that Zack Snyder pretty much already made. So all Joss Whedon's going to do is come. Okay, well, let me just clean this up, and you know, but you can't polish a turd. But on the flip side of that coin, uh, Star Wars: A New Hope was saved in editing. You know, that movie was falling apart and was almost not going to come out. And then it, in editing, it was saved right. at, the, at the last, at the zero hour. You know, it was like turned around. See, Joss Whedon's in a no, no lose situation. If it turns out like crap, he can say like, well, I could only edit it. Yeah. And if it turns out great, he can be like, well, I edited yeah, it. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's in a no, no lose scenario. So now. now he's like, you know, he's in there doing, you know, he's like, well, let's get this, you know, doing like the little last minute thing, some reshoots and some things. As I understand, this is only, you know, I read this stuff. 
who knows what's true and what's mm-hmm. not true. But this is what we know as readers of the internet. See, to me, Nolan should have stepped in. He's still executive producing these movies. Yeah. This is where he should have stepped in and said, like, all right, well, under these circumstances, I've been with this yeah. whole saga, if you will, on the DCN from the beginning. I'll step in. And as much as I hate to say it, I would rather watch a movie made by him than one made by Zack Snyder because it's just, I've seen, you know, three of them so far, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, uh, Watchmen and um, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman that were just, just boring to me. Yes. Know? So it- Watchmen and Watchmen. What's interesting is I didn't read the comic as a, uh, as a kid. I know people who did. It was a big deal when it came out. The, the smiley face with the, the bullet hole. In it. Oh, sure. You could, that, that cleared off the shelves. The only thing I remember clearing off the shelves when I was in the comics at that age quicker was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for an independent <laughs> for an independent brand for for TMNT. at the time. Sure, DC did launch obviously uh, Watchmen, so technically that was his first Zack Snyder's first DC movie, right? Even though it's not tied into this universe, mm-hmm. but I mean th- that cleared off the shelf, so it did have a certain amount of popularity for but, sure. Uh, everybody I've ever known who has read the Watchmen graphic novel right has said way better than the movie yeah and that's just that they had the potential they had they had the resources there to do it mm. and they just fell flat on their face i yeah. mean you just could not wait for that movie to end it's like my god already so now i'm left in a conundrum where i'm like well you know uh fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me batman v superman yeah that would man be of steel batman v superman being those two now here comes Justice League, maybe directed by Zack Snyder a little bit. Do I go see it? I don't know. Not in the theater. My plan mm-hmm. was to never see it, even at home. I was yeah, like, my, I'm not, my, I'm I'll not watching that movie. Wonder Woman has not changed my plans for seeing it. Yeah. Mostly because there's other aspects of it that I don't like. I don't I don't like how their their take on Superman. Well, sure. Yeah, so I had I still had a problem with there. Um, I am a fan of the Flash series. Having this whole other kid right. playing as a Flash seems awkward to me. Yeah. The whole thing seems very ham-fisted. Yeah, how they put it, it together just reminds me of Tom Welling not being Superman and oh sure all that stuff. Yeah, from Smallville, there was a big thing going on at that time when they were recant when they were talking about doing a Superman movie. Like there was a big push for a lot of Smallville fans that wanted Tom Welling to play, draw the TV. Mm-hmm. universe to the movie universe and honestly i understand at the time i think i was more on board with him being superman than not yeah because i liked him as an actor in that show anyway because he doesn't really do anything since but um a lot of behind the camera stuff now i guess yeah, yeah. and and that's what he said he wanted to do anyway so as long as you know i'm sure he's fine but now that i look back on it i can see why they wanted to go a different direction more than I could see it then. Well, yeah, you want to separate yourself from that property as much as as you can. Yeah, I but I if mean, you're, if you're a smart studio, you're like, well, eh, don't, yeah, don't connect it to Smallville. Yeah, and they, <laughs> but they still drop the ball anyway. But yeah, I, I I know what you're saying. But for me personally, when it comes the whole DC thing as a whole, it, long story short, DC animated it before they did the new Fifty Two, and we might have touched on this in another podcast. Was DC animated was leaps bounds miles ahead. It's still, of Mar- in my opinion, is Marvel, it's amazing. Marvel's animated just can never catch it. Between then, Batman the animated series and the Justice League series, 
Those were, in but my see, that, opinion, that's those all were the, the pinnacle. Old, right, and that's all the old stuff, and that stuff is awesome. And yeah. even and the movies even that came out at that time, like I said, up the cutoff is a perfect time. The new Fifty Two, when they went to the new Fifty Two, every all the animated to me took a dip, not in visually, but just the right. writing, the stories, the characters. Because they were based on those new comics, right? And it, and it, and it, it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. Even so, for me, the new Fifty Two killed. The only aspect of DC I enjoyed, which was the animated, uh, of course, that Son of Batman series, that yeah, one's that actually... That kind of stands mm-hmm. alone. Yeah, it's that stands really... alone, and it's actually good. Oh, so, that, that Batman Beyond, you mean? No, the, no new, that's... the new DC animated movies that are now coming out have... Um, there's a set of them that are kind of in this this Son of Batman story, mm. where... It's a um, three, three movies trilogy. It's, it's a three, yeah. Three, uh, um, where basically uh, you find out that Bruce Wayne had a child with uh, Talia, Rachel Gould's daughter, <laughs> and the the child has been raised his entire life by the League of Assassins. Oh, so he's like th- th- like a dick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, something happens. Talia's in danger. She has to get rid of the kid to protect him. So she sends him to be with Bruce, and now Bruce has got to deal with him and all of his you know his jerk. dickery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, he eventually becomes the new Robin. Ah, okay. So yeah, it's a very, very good, good story, and just like the relationship between him and Batman, and the relationship between him also and uh, Dick, Dick Grayson, Grayson too. Yep. Yeah, the he Nightwing. A, yeah. So uh, Dick Grayson and and Damian Wayne are at odds all the time because mm-hmm. he's the current Robin. Yep. He's the old Robin. I've got knowledge to impart, and you know, he's like, I got my own ways of doing this. You, you know, beat it. You know. Because he, uh, Dick Grayson's Nightwing now. Yeah. So he, you know, they, they, so those those two go back. I believe they fought. They did. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, Damian Wayne, fought Nightwing, and uh, Damian Wayne also ends up fighting Batman. Yep. At one point too. Yep. Yeah. It's see after the New Fifty Two that those those three movies come after the New Fifty Two, but there's like you said they stand. They're not alone, connected to New Fifty Two, and that's what makes them good. Yeah. So to me personally. Growing up, like I think I, I know I said this before in a previous podcast, you've got like, I grew up in that world where it was like you're either a Cub fan or a Sox fan. You're either like Star Trek or Star Wars. You either like Marvel or you like DC. Mm-hmm. Now I've crossed the boundary. I like Star Trek and Star Wars. I like one way more than the other, but I still like them both. I always, bar- I barely ever really liked DC. Oh, just Doctor Who fans off in the fringe during those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I barely ever liked DC. And I always put Marvel like way up on a pedestal compared to DC. But I did enjoy the animated, the, the ones that you mentioned, you know, the Justice League mm-hmm. cartoons, pinnacle, perfect. They were great. Yeah. All the way up until the new 52. Other than those three Batman movies we just mentioned, there's been nothing from DC, whether it be live action or animated, that I've cared to see since the new 52. And because I didn't grow up a big fan of it anyway, it's been very easy for me to write it off. Now, mm-hmm. I imagine... There's plenty of people that are bigger DC fans than Marvel fans. I mean, they've got iconic people, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the Flash. I mean, these are big names. I get that. So there, there's plenty of people I'm sure like, I don't like Marvel. I like DC. That's Well, fine. that was me. That was me because my first experience into the world of comics was the, the Timverse, the Bruce uh, Tim. Yeah. All the animated stuff. That was the first. And I loved it so much that I became. And I'll also admit. I love the, t- the at least the first the Tim Burton Batman. Yeah, with uh yeah with uh, Jack Nicholson Joker. Well, sure, 
It, that I liked it at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you know what? Well, I, I agree. It's not one of those movies that ages very well, I, but... You know what? That movie, to me, still holds up. It's the sequel that doesn't hold yeah, up to me. Yeah, that's where it lost me. Even right, Batman, yeah, with the Penguin, that, Batman even Returns, that one. yeah. I just, I'll agree. That's that where it fell apart up. for me, too. Yeah, but the And then one, never mind the others. <laughs> I Well, those are, yeah, that goes without saying. Well, that's Schumacher. And yeah, that's... Uh, it's a whole different spectrum. It's, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so I was a huge... DC fan for a long time because of the Bruce Tim verse, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, then once these Marvel movies started rolling around, and I got to know the Marvel universe because again, that was my first real yep. experience with Marvel. I'll with agree with you. for me, you know. So like now I'm kind of on the fence. You know, I like the animated DC stuff. I like the theatrical Marvel stuff. You know, and yeah. But uh, you mean you never watched the uh, David Banner Incredible Hulk? TV series. Oh, yeah, but that never. It so doesn't. It counts, but it doesn't count. <laughs> I know. It's like it was because t- it was always funny. Because as a kid, I would be at the very end in the credits, be like, you know, all rights reserved, Marvel Comics. And I'm like, this is nothing. And I read the Hulk comic at, at that age as a kid. And I'm like, this is nothing like the comic. Like the comic yeah. was so much. Even more. had a crossover yeah. with Thor. I was just going to say about that. I was yeah. just about to. Mm-hmm. So I mean, for me personally. The DC thing, I'm not the, I'm not somebody they're probably really worried about not seeing it because I'm already not in their camp, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the camp that they had, those people that they had that were the opposite of me, that were put DC on the pedestal and didn't really care about Marvel. Yeah. Those are the people that I not only think they're afraid of losing, but they have been losing. And if they don't start improving their product, if they if they have if they can't get them back already. They better turn it around quick because they're going to start losing off the loyal fans. And if they start losing them even worse, if they start losing them to people being like, well, maybe Marvel isn't that bad. Let me check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine if you're a comic book fan, you're going to see both probably anyway. But if they start going switching to the other side, play for the other team, DC is going to go into an even deeper hole where their live action movies, Warner Brothers and stuff is just going to be like, no, we're done. Yeah. We can't. We can't do it. But but see, at the same time, look how much money the, these movies still make, and they're complete crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman v Superman did great. And yeah. It's like, there's no reason to not keep making them because yeah, people are still going to see. People them. want to go see them because they want them to be good. Right. Yeah, they 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 could be secretly bitching and complaining and moaning. You know, it's it's like many of us with Star Wars. I mean, I'm kind of getting to the point now that it's I don't know about you guys, but the more I think about. Um, was it The Force Awakens? Or I do not like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I but when he, at the beginning, we're like, oh, that's that's reinventing the series. That's what they want, you know? Yeah. Well, see, that's how I feel about the new Star Trek uh, movies. Mm-hmm. I went to see those being like, God, I hope they're going to be good. Just yeah. like these people are going to the DC movies like, God, I hope they're going to be good. That's what I wanted on the new Star Trek. I I just wanted it to to be so good because I wanted that franchise to and come see, back a lot up of, and be popular. And a lot of people, there's again. this one guy I was I used to work with. His name was Eddie, and I remember talking with him about uh, where I was like really upset with um with Man of Steel because Superman killed right you know Zod you know broke his neck you know which I always think was the stupidest scene because it's like he, uh, he had no choice, dude. Oh, that's my point. He had no choice. <laughs> Here's the thing: he had no choice. What was his why? Because he was going to um. He was using his light. The, Zod was using his eye beams to kill that family, and he had no choice because clearly he couldn't turn his neck to prevent him from doing that. Mm-hmm. So how does he end it? He breaks his neck by turning his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just turn it a little less. That's exactly. <laughs> that's my point. Yeah. Right. 
Well, but, I mean, but anyways, getting back oh, to what I, I was saying. I my own strength. Yes, I, you I, do. I yeah. mentioned that to Eddie, and I said, but that's something Superman wouldn't do. He never does that. And he immediately looked at me and said, yeah, but he's young now. He's just learning. It's like his mind, and I realized, I'm like, wait, how do you know that? So that's There was nothing presented. His mind wrote that in because he wanted it. He loved that movie. Well, and I don't know. Your he said he, that was his defense of Lex Luthor in Man vs. in um, uh, the new Batman, Batman v Superman. Yeah. Well, he's, not, he's a, because that's young Luthor. Uh, you well, know, young Luthor's I'm that not way. He's just learning. I'm not saying your friend's making excuses for it. That's that's his perspective. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm totally cool with that. But I think a lot of times, and I've been guilty of it myself, where I will make excuses for something that I've enjoyed or... I'll admit I've done it I'll be too. like, well, you know, you got to understand. You got to look at it like this. And it's like, because you don't want to even accept it yourself. Like, what I just saw was completely stupid. And uh, <laughs> how can I rationalize this so I can be okay with it? Episode yep. one. Phantom Menace? Mm-hmm. That, that's, I, I spent about seven weeks rationalizing that in my brain. Oh, back then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I just kept trying to tell myself it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, we... Uh, this yeah, this yeah. seventh viewing will finally be good. <laughs> there is one massive major issue with that, and, and, and to me, it's Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. I think you take him out a lot of... You take about... 70% of the stupidity for sure out of that movie and you're forced to put something else in hopefully that again like DC well, can't possibly be worse well it was edit. floating that was just about to say I heard, I've never watched it but the Phantom yeah. Edit yeah. was apparently like that it was a lot, it was very well received <laughs> yeah it's very good well and the funny thing that you brought up about Force uh, Force Awakens and how the more you think about it you don't like it I'm going to add a little fuel kerosene to that fire mm-hmm. for you well I can tell you also many things why that's bad but well, me one, of, one of the big things for me with The Force Awakens is the thing I said in the very beginning, one of its biggest problems is, as opposed to every other movie of the Star Wars, this was written as a setup for right. a trilogy. Right. Not, uh, not th- a complete th- movie. Yeah, right. And it was not a complete movie. I'm so. glad you're going there because, uh, again, I know there's people probably listening that know, like, this guy doesn't know shit about Star Wars. <laughs> This is my thing. I think this is my wheelhouse. Maybe I'm wrong. I know there's people that know way more than me. But in this case, I, I know this much. The more that's coming out about episodes eight and nine, the more you're finding out and realizing that J.J. Abrams had no plan after Force Awakens. After I'm a fan seven. of Lost. I can tell you that right away. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> you're th- that's the biggest lesson I learned from that series, well, having so much faith in that it. That may be true of him, but I'm I'm saying like, when they put him in charge of that movie, Kathleen Kennedy, you know, Lucasfilm, Disney, everything, they knew that they were, as you were just starting to say, you, they knew that this was a setup to begin a long, long run of movies. Now, maybe there'll only be three movies that tie into the original trilo- mm-hmm. trilogies. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see where it goes after episode nine. But we all knew that when this was coming back, it was going to be like another a new trilogy, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. The point of what I'm saying is, I agree with you with J.J. Abrams might not have, but somebody above him, they all we all know there's more movies coming when it's Ryan Johnson that's doing eight. Right. He has come out and basically, without throwing him too far under the bus, but maybe just enough to cripple his legs, <laughs> he's basically flat out said, like, there was really no set plan mm-hmm. when I took over. Yeah. Like, basically, like, J.J. Abrams literally was like, okay, look, I brought the franchise back. I didn't, I didn't F it up. You know, we played it safe, as we've discussed in prior podcasts. Right. Played it safe, got it got it back on its, on its right track. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it went, because they've already talked about with Carrie Fisher, uh, God rest her soul, 
mm-hmm. not being probably in episode nine, that it's really not that big of an issue because nobody really knew what they were going to do with episode nine yet anyway. It's like, say what you want about George Lucas, that he only wrote the prequels over a weekend, as right. they say in Clerks Animated. I, I, I may have gone too far in a few places. Yeah. <laughs> but at least with and he didn't know after a new hope that he would get to do empire and jedi for sure it it was only because of success that he got to do those right but he did have them at least those three he did have when disney bought this you knew they weren't buying it to make well we're gonna make another star wars and be good for a billion dollars no they're gonna be doing this till you're sick of seeing star wars Mm -hmm. till you know till your kids grandkids are sick of seeing star wars so how do you enter into that and say, well, we'll, we'll just plan the first movie and basically go from there. And wing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, should, you should have a much better at least outline. Look at what Marvel did. Look Sorry. what Joss Whedon did. With a, they, they set up Avengers. Which is another Disney franchise. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you not know to do that? So to me going back to the original point of it at all is it weakens the force awakens even more to me. Yeah. Because now it's like, well, now you're really telling me that this movie was just made to play it safe and had, and no wonder it's basically a rip off of a new hope <laughs> because you don't know what you were going to do after that. Anyway, even mm-hmm. though you didn't have the same limitations that Lucas had with a new hope where he had his other two movies lined up, he just had a hope that he could make them. Disney knew they were going to be making more and, and didn't have a lineup. It's like mm-hmm. doing everything ass backwards. It's like, what are you thinking? Right. And it to me, it just it degrades, not makes it horrible or bad or anything, but it takes a lo- degrades a little bit less of what everybody thinks is so great about Force Awakens because it's like it really truly is not what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Right? At least that's how I see it. And, that's, and the more that comes out, it just makes you feel that way more and actually makes you more hopeful for episode eight because it's like, well, now maybe I'm actually going to get the true like pick up where we left off. Yeah, yeah an original story. Yeah, from yes. after Jedi 30 years later. Like even though they killed Han off and everything, now we won't have Han, but now we're actually going to get to see something different. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm looking for it could be bad. I doubt it. It looks trailer looks good, yep. but it could Well, be it's going to have some of the things that I wanted to see that I actually got and I think I realized that's what I got in um, Rogue One that I wanted to see. This is why, in many ways, especially towards the end of Rogue One, that's the one thing I'll say with Rogue One. It really felt like a Star Wars movie to me, especially in the end, because you had the planet battle, the space battle, the, all the traditional stuff. That was good. Um, Force Awakens didn't have that. There was no. no big space battle. You had freaking traitor, ninja, random stormtrooper hitting people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You didn't have that really epic space battle. Traitor. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you didn't have that uh, epic space battle uh, see, that Star Wars is always signature known for. You had all these like weird random voice acted stormtroopers. Yeah, we've, and- we've talked about this before. That I mean, my disagreement with you guys comes in the character thing, like character development is like super important to me mm-hmm. and rogue one just did not have that like i, I i'm sitting in guardians of the galaxy i said this to, to my wife after we watched guardians it's like you know that's the difference between this and a movie like rogue one like when uh spoiler alert every single character in the entire movie dies <laughs> i didn't care as much as i cared when yandu died right yeah again spoiler alert but you also got yandu for two movies yeah 
to build True. that up a little bit more. But he was a jerk in the first one. So really, I only had one movie with the guy where he's likable. No, because being a jerk made his redemption all that more saddening when he passes away. Because you saw the transition from jerk to good. Yeah. Rogue One, you didn't have that time. And I completely agree. You did not have any time for character development. I mean, ah, here's, I agree. here's Cassie and Andor. Yeah. Murders a guy in five seconds. You know, right. it's like, okay, so hmm, that's his character. You know, I'm just like, you know, you can. The only character that was really, that was really any interesting, and that's just because of the principle of, oh, you know, the mystique of the character was that faux Jedi blind character. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Cool character and everything, but just they didn't give him enough. You know, there just wasn't enough character development there i like the imperial guy that was in charge yeah i thought he was about the most developed character you were going to get out of that movie and and i completely agree i won't i can't argue anything you're saying against it i I will say that yeah he was one of the most interesting characters the krennic right krennic yeah and to me somebody who likes movies and tv shows like you do they're very character driven shows myself i'm surprised i liked rogue one as much as i did because that's some an MO that I look for too. I mean, we rip on it with Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like story over character. I can't stand it. But yet in Rogue One, I for so maybe because I had the mindset like I know it's not going to be your typical, you know, Star Wars movie. It's going to be a war movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, you know, in war movies, you can't get attached to anybody in the platoon, if you will, because you don't know who's going to make it out of a war movie, mm-hmm. you know. But even Aliens, the second one. The, probably the best one they've ever done. It's kind of a war movie. I mean, because you've got the military there yeah. and everything, but yet you still get an attachment to some of the characters. Yeah, with Hudson right. Hicks, so, Vasquez. Right. So right. Can, I can name their names. I can't name the Capone. names of the people from Rogue One. Right. Right. So it, it can be done. They just didn't get it done in Rogue One, but they didn't. It wasn't so awful that I couldn't get yeah. past. It. I would never say Rogue One's bad. I, I I enjoyed it, but yeah, that's where it fell flat for me. Was I would actually was... watch Rogue One over um, Force Awakens yeah. again. Yeah, so would I. Well, yeah, I think I made that clear a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm like the opposite. I would watch. I would rewatch both of them in, in a heartbeat. But um, for me, it's Force Awakens just because the characters. You know, I just thought the mm-hmm. characters. Were I, more I would watch Force Awakens again. Yeah, and again and again and again. I mean, I I have it. It's just if I had a pick between the two, like you're saying, like okay, we can only sit down watch one. I have no desire to see Force Awakens ever again. Well, I may see it one more time before the next one. Yeah, just to kind of refresh. "Eh." Yeah, yeah. It's just see that's where my bias comes in, where I'll make excuses. As much as I want to sit there and be honest about the things that are wrong with Force Awakens, it's still Star Wars. Yeah, and (laughs) I and I'm one of those people that I can actually watch the prequels even now if I have to. I don't have to, I shouldn't say, but I mean... No one should on, have to watch the prequels. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I just did. I, I, let me put this way. I can, they were on TNT. Speaking as a classic series Doctor Who fan, I can never diss you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the TNT just got the rights to all the Star Wars movies again, and they ran them all, and I, I watched the prequels on there again. So mm-hmm. it's with commercials, which makes even less sense. Oh, good but grief. I did it. <laughs> Maybe that's what broke up the... Mm. sadness of what i was watching <laughs> so keeping it in the realm of space adventure uh let's talk about a couple trailers that we watched recently now this is tv trailers i'm talking about oh yes and that's uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about um star trek discovery versus seth MacFarlane's new show that he's got coming up called the orville mm-hmm. um what did we think about these two trailers I'm going to tell you, I saw the order I saw them. 
was the Orville. That, first off, took me by complete surprise. I didn't even know they were making it. Yeah. Um, And then I then you showed me the link to uh, Star Trek Discovery. I think it was like a couple days later. Yeah. Um, I am actually, while I want to be excited for Discovery... <laughs> And I think I think visually it looks very good in terms of space and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it does look like another typical dark drama yeah. versus the Orville looks not just only to be fun, but looks like traditional sci-fi. Brightly colored bridge yes. and yeah, not trying to be gloom and doom. To be future, dark. to yeah. be a positive future. I never <laughs> thought I would see the day where I would rather watch a Seth MacFarlane show over a Star Trek show, but that's kind of where I am right now. That, I, I hate to admit that. I, that's that's kind of where I am, too. I want to be, I'm cautiously optimistic for Discovery, but at the same time, it's hitting all the key things that I'm seeing where it's like, the, where I looked at the bridge, I'm like, God damn it, there's no lights on the bridge. It's all this mood lighting. How are you supposed to operate there? This is supposed to be a positive thing, you know? They're still using the, uh, although... The show is so okay. So now there's two, and it's not using it's using the movie universe, right? Yeah, there's no, there's still two. Now there's two timelines in Star Trek, okay? Because the stupid first movie written by Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi that completely ruined everything because they're terrible writers. Now there's two timelines in Star Trek. Now there's the Prime timeline, which is the one we know and love, and now there's the Kelvin timeline, which is what the movies take take mm-hmm. all take place in, where Vulcan is destroyed and all these things. So this new show, Discovery, is supposed to take place in the Prime timeline. Is it? Okay. Yes. But they're using all of the design elements from yes. the Kelvin timeline and the new movies. Everything established in the new movies. So, well, not even that, because even the new movies, the start of the Enterprise was brightly lit. Yeah, that's true. Well, it was brightly lit by J.J. Abrams' lens flares. So much so that you couldn't tell what was going on. But well, there's a lot of lens flares. But, no, it was still white. But it did look like an Apple store. In there, yeah, yeah it looked like an Apple store is a good way to describe it. One of the most ridiculous things I have ever heard is if you're going to go prime timeline then basically what you should be doing is that this takes place be- before the original series right but after enterprise 10 years before it should basically look like everything take the tv show yeah. enterprise and make it look 10 more years advanced or whatever from there yeah taking things that cross over just screws everything but you know what it's there difficult. are truckies are gonna freak out over that it's difficult more than i ever will Ener- enterprise mm-hmm. took place you know how many I years they do how many years before Kirk was Enterprise? I can't remember off the top of my head. But in any Neither case, in any case, that bridge looked way more sophisticated and advanced than the bridge on the Constitution class Enterprise in the yeah. 1960s. And they kind of explained period. it because so they felt like they had to. If you're going to put something right in the middle, what do you make it look like? You know, I mean, I can see the dilemma there. It's like, well, you know, in this day and age, we're gonna we want to appeal to like a new audience. Mm. We don't give a shit about the 40, 50 year old Trekkies. Then put we, it in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Then well, you're safer. Yeah. There's there's no reason not to. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it would make more sense to put it in the Kelvin timeline just because there is a lot less continuity to tie yourself to. Yeah. A lot less canon to be like get called out for. No, like, we can't well, wait, do this that because work. this and that. Yeah. Which is which leeway. is going interesting. One of the first things we already looked at was the visual style of the Klingon. Yeah. Which is just like the movies with the like bald heads and less defined ridges and mm-hmm. this just looks like a complete screw up and i, I am well i mean but to be me. fair that could be um remember technically if i don't think this i really don't think the designers did it this way deliberately technically they are supposed to be the degenerated enterprise 
Yeah. Between Enterprise and like uh, the original ones, series. Yeah. The human-looking. Supposed to be the human-looking. I, I would agree with you that I would doubt that, too. Was that, that the original That they're smart idea. enough to do that. But, yeah, I think it's more, well, just this is kind of what we established in the movie. So let's stick with that to keep, mm-hmm. you know, to keep that demographic. Make everything look cool. And, for, you know, if we make it look like the 60s show, it's... You know, nobody's going to be able to identify with anything. So, but they even explained in Enterprise, or at some point, it was explained before the Calvin timeline, before the movies came out. There was an explanation. It was in DS Nine mm-hmm. where they explained, like, kind of off the cuff, not very in depth, but they said something about in the trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. Oh, but maybe you don't know this. Enterprise, they actually had an episode that said what happened. No, yeah. no, no. I saw that. Okay, and, and I was going there next. But yeah, the reason we even have. In the like, Tribbles one, they ask Worf, like, yeah. oh, those are Klingons? And he's like, oh, we don't discuss it with Not outsiders. just that, but the, the decor yeah. of, of the bridge and everything. Yeah. Like, somebody says, to, I think it's to Cisco. Somebody says, like, boy, the uniforms and everything looks different. Yeah. And he, like, basically has, like, a quick quip, you know, explanation for it. But at least they addressed it. Mm-hmm. Like, why, you know, like, all the tech looks, like, very simplified and everything. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a line about and Yeah, there, there was, a, I remember, was, O'Brien was commenting about the look of the Klingon to Worf. Yeah, yeah, but no, I'm talking about the technology on the oh, bridge okay. and everything. Like, just the uniforms, not the Klingons at all. Starfleet. Okay. Somebody's talking, says something to Cisco about Starfleet and how simplified the bridge looks and everything looks like way different than hmm, it does I now. I remember that. Yeah. It's a quick line and it's a very, but they at least say it. And they acknowledge it. Right. And then you've got Enterprise, as you mentioned, where I was going next was Enterprise took the time. They did that a lot in their last season of like trying to explain the differences and make make everything mash up right so all the canon and, and everything lined up more smoothly mm-hmm. than these unanswered left questions out there. Whereas that's what I'm saying with this new show, why put yourself through that? Because you're gonna get you're, you're we're already doing it and it hasn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get grilled way more being in the prime timeline than because there's too much stuff that's already established and that's the that's the you know the timeline that's kind of beloved like kind of like don't screw this one up you know if you're gonna do the screw ups do it in the other timeline because (laughs) you're already making a mess of that keep it down there you're gonna come back to this timeline you better do it right unfortunately these people who are designing it probably don't see themselves as screwing anything up well it is alex kurtzman still attached to it so in my mind he's the modern day rick berman yeah what is it with ricks Ricks. yeah (laughs) It's I I to answer the original question uh, with the McFarland show and this, I didn't know that the McFarland show was being made till the trailer came out. I yeah, same. I think because normally it's not, okay. It, it reminds me a lot more of Galaxy Quest than it does. Oh sure, it, I had that little vibe too. Yeah, yeah um, which but Galaxy Seth MacFarlane Quest, is a very well known Star Trek fan, huge Star Trek right. fan, right? So. And we all know Galaxy Quest is basically based on Star Trek, Star Trek. so right. it's yeah. not like a stretch to be like there's some big vast difference. I think normally a show like that on Fox is not going to last very long. But it looks be- very expensive to produce. It looks yeah. a lot like Firefly in yeah. that regard. But because he has such pull over there, yeah, because of how Family Guy and all his other shows that he's had, and and the length of time it's been there, I think he'll get a longer leash, with a longer with, chance with it. With it, right? But at the same time, if the ratings aren't there, Fox is gonna. I don't say they're gonna root against it. Of course, they want it to succeed. But when you, like you point out, Ray, when you talk about production value being high, there's gonna be a very good chance that they're gonna look at it and they're gonna be like, 
all right, well, you got to have some great numbers. Not root against it, but they're going to be very, like, quick to be like, Seth, come on, dude. It's not mm-hmm. working. It's not working. Like, they're going to want to have that conversation a lot, see themselves having that conversation, I should say, a lot sooner than they see themselves patting them on the back and be like, here comes season two. We're rolling along great. Yep. I yeah. think they're going to be gonna more be prone to get rid of it. It's going to be difficult to hook people into a sci-fi series, as it always is. And it's also just uh, hopefully uh, he will be able to pull it off. I mean, like, I don't think he – I mean, I don't think anybody even remembers that Western movie he did. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Really? I the thing is that nobody very like it like oh, no, it's, came a, and went it's and a quick yeah, it came and went and it was forgotten, but it's one of those movies where like I remember it cuz I thought it was funny, you know. But, oh, okay. I didn't hear yeah. much I didn't hear much positive at all. I never saw it. So. Yeah, it, I, I, say, I The only thing I knew later. about Most, that was exciting was the fact that I heard the later that Doc Brown was in it. Yeah, mostly negative stuff, you know. It's uh, even the red letter media guys ripped on it and it's mm-hmm. like you know, I, I, I find their ripping of it to be particularly elitist because, like, you guys made, like, Space Cop and all those movies with Rich Evans. <laughs> and, you know, like, you're going to rip on this. You know, it's like basically um, they even ripped on Kung Fury. It's like it, that's that just seems really elitist that you guys it's the same crap you guys make. You know, Well, you would say, well, why are they ripping on it? They must <clears throat> not know what it, its intention was, but they do. Right. They know what the intent is. They know what humor is, and they they know know it's like they make the same stuff. So for them to be ripping on, you know, Seth MacFarlane's Old West movie just seemed like a very Could be a little bit of jealousy that he's got a big budget. I often made a joke of doing a parody of, um, what was it? Um, I can't believe of, I I don't know why I'm forgetting these names there. The main character from the Red Letter Media. Oh, uh, Mr. Plinkett? Do a parody of Plinkett. Reviewing the Plinket reviews. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, and, and analyzing how with in in depth what is wrong with them. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- that is actually a really good idea for a parody. My parody idea that I had was: Do you remember when uh, Paramount came out with all those very like, um, just really really stringent rules about how um star trek fan films were to be you told me oh, about yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah they came out with a very stringent like if you're gonna make a fan film it needs to follow the, the, these 50 rules or whatever it's just like this ridiculous thing my idea for a parody was to make a star trek film that adhered very very strictly to all of those rules and, and just very emphasize yeah very tech very yeah, yeah very technically adhere to all the rules and each time you hit one of them Make a little ding sound with a check mark in the corner, and you know. Or even better, have somebody off to the side on the set and just pan to it and be like, "Mark it off the right, list." Like, right, right, yeah, <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, yeah, so if anybody makes that Star Trek parody film, just be sure to mention my name in the credits as the uh, <laughs> as the uh, creator. And likewise, if somebody decides to do a uh, Plinket parody review, please give Mike Vallis credit. Yes, exactly for for, uh, for that as well. But. Uh, Actually, yeah, the so, way though, that you, you, that you described that whole, you, you want the sound effect, you want the guy with the check mark. I am totally well, I picturing. Want both. The that's the thing I was gonna say. Out. I want. Sure. I'm, I'm picturing the body python thing, where you just hear ding, and everybody just stops, and then it just cuts to the studio board. Right. <laughs> and it's like you smile like really cheesy at the at the camera, and it cuts back. Oh, I could totally see it. That oh. McFarland show is going to be an hour, isn't it? It's not a half hour. I believe it's that, an hour. Yeah, show. I, I, really? I never heard anything That's about the runtime. Pretty sure. I'm don't mark that. Uh, don't etch it in stone on me. But I'm pretty sure that it's because that's the reason I'm saying that is because it surprised me. Mm. I was like, oh, it'll be another half hour on Sunday night. Yeah, you know, Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, whatever, mm. Family Guy, and you know, the trick Last to the Man show, Earth, whatever. But I, I heard it's going to be an hour, and it's not even going to be on Sunday. It's going to be on, I think, 
Thursday? Okay. I think it's going to be up against Supernatural, actually. Ooh. Oh, wow. I think. I Don't quote me on that either, but I'm pretty sure I saw the fall lineup, and it's But it's kind of a bonehead move, because that's another that's that's a that's a crowd. It's a yeah, similar Supernatural's audience. That's a similar crowd. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's that Fox for you. That, that, that has very nothing to do with McFarlane. That, that's Fox in their programming. Yeah, throw it and on up against another geek show. That go, well, and there goes the tinfoil hat theory that I just threw out there, which wasn't so tinfoil, but now I'm going to go in a little into that tinfoil theory is they don't want it to succeed. <laughs> that is, no, you're, I'm not a yeah. bet. I agree with you. That is technically something Fox has kind of known. I would not surprise me at all that they would set that up to fail. All right, Seth's been bugging us for this show. Let's give it to him. But what I would say to we Seth, put it where it won't last very long. Oh, supernatural. You know what I would say to Seth? I hope he is smart enough to talk to them to be able that if the show fails, he could take it and throw it to Netflix. Yeah, hopefully he's making a deal under the table with Netflix already. Yeah, yeah, it's on Fox, so I mean, you know, the, the, two you years. guys know why I'm here. Come on, right. <laughs> and Netflix is like, we got you. I gotta give them first crack. They gotta give me first crack at it, but we'll establish it here, and then we'll get it over to you. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. exactly. But uh, it's just it's very refreshing to see a show like that on the air. Like Seth MacFarlane's a guy; he's our age. Mm-hmm. He loves Star Trek, so he's like, I'm gonna make the show. Because I think there should be, you know, and there's like, the, you know, some of the greats of the genre, you know, like, you know, Ghostbusters, perfect example of an action comedy. Yeah. You know, there needs to be more of that, I think. And, and his show is hitting all the marks. You know, it's got comedy, it's got sci-fi, it's got action. But hopefully the trick, the big trick is going to be, does it have a good story? You know, yeah. He's going to have to come up with good stories because it's not going to ride on the jokes I heard in the trailer alone, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it's... You know, it's got to have something else, and it, and you telling me it's going to be an hour is surprising too. It's like I'm it's, pretty pretty sure because I like I said, I, I we had something that would like you know, if the we power had the, yeah, I wish they I would invent assumed, a device that we could look up these things. Because well, I remember I just assumed it would be Sunday night. I just assumed it would fill in like a half hour slot, and then yeah. when, first I saw not Sunday night, and then I surprisingly was like, okay, well, where's Fox's other half hour weeknight shows? And I was like. Oh, they're doing an hour. Oh wow! I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. I'm like, good luck with that. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't. To me, that 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 show actually. Orville looks, as an Orville Redenbacher. You got it. It looks like a half hour show from the trailer. Mm. It doesn't look like you can sustain. It looks like a sitcom. Yeah. A sitcom uh, set on a spaceship. Right. So I'm like, I don't know if I, you can do. I, I know it's technically 41 minutes, but whatever. I mean, it's yeah. just like you still got at you. It. It's the difference between like 20 and 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you. Right, so I, I mean, again, I, I think it's like you said, it's going to come up to the writing. But then, I saw he did both TED movies. Yeah, and I actually thought those were funnier than I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the second one, but I was really surprised at how much I liked the first TED. Yeah, I never saw either one. They're not like you know something that's going to go into the Smithsonian someday as like film archive movies, but they're they're better than I thought. I thought they're going to be like okay, according to IMDb, sixty minutes. Wow, there you go. There you go. So, I was right. I I don't know how good that you know how that's going to stretch out, and yeah. I don't know what night. You don't need to check that necessarily now, but I, mm. I'm pretty sure it's gonna. It's not Sunday. It's gonna for have sure. to have a pretty strong story then to fill yeah. that uh, to fill that void. Uh, directed uh, at least the pilot anyway by John John Favreau. So that's yeah, that's a plus. I mean, he's you know mm. Iron Man. I mean, which by the way, yeah, I looked at uh, episode two. 
to see because I originally clicked on the pilot. I'm like, wait, no, that could be just an hour long there. But according to that, they said, yeah, 60 minutes written there. Now it said 60 minutes in IMDb. Technically, shouldn't it be like you said, 41, 42? I think IMDb just lists it. They just listed it. It's on from seven to eight or whatever. But now I will defend your uh, argument that while I was listening, I heard you said that you couldn't do a half hour sci-fi comedy with that. Um, As, as fans of British comedy, I feel I should point out a show called Red Dwarf. No, I didn't say we couldn't. I said I okay. it looked like it would be a half-hour comedy. Oh, okay, Red Dwarf sorry. is a comedy? or Oh, that's right. You have never seen Red no. Dwarf. No. Yes. Uh, that started back in the 80s, actually. and they've actually Sci-fi still comedy. It is a sci-fi comedy. Half-hour, though. Half-hour. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, the McFarlane looks like it should be a half-hour. Right. That's, that's, that's right. okay. I thought you were saying that. No, Sorry. you were distracted because yeah. you were looking. Yeah, that, that was there. a yeah, that was just kind of an assumption in my brain. Like, oh, this is like mm-hmm. a sitcom that's on for half an hour. But yeah, that's well, and it's going to have to have a pretty strong story then to to hold up. But for yeah, an hour, yeah. You know, I still want to watch it more than I want to watch that Star Trek. I mean, okay, well, we're going to do some different stuff with Star Trek. It's like, well, the main character is not the captain. It's this girl, right? yeah, and she's. Yeah, I think she's like the the, the main like military or something. Apparently, half Vulcan. Oh, half Vulcan, yeah, yeah, because she's talking to Sarek at one point. When I was like, okay, well, Sarek's in it. That's you know interesting, but uh, yeah, not the main character. Now I don't know if in the course of it's Michelle Yeoh is the captain, right? Isn't that kind of what they so. what mm-hmm. they established? Yeah, um, I don't know if like something happens and then she because the ship they're showing in the trailer I read is not the Discovery. It's Michelle Yeoh's ship. Yeah, because Jason Isaacs is on the Discovery, is he? He's not? the captain, right? Mm-hmm. Of I, the Discovery. I so again, she's so. not the captain, even when she gets on the actual Discovery ship. It's, you were right, Jason Isaacs, and I don't believe he was in the trailer. No, because yeah. when you texted me, when we texted each other about the trailer, that was one of the things I mentioned. I'm like, I didn't see any Jason Isaacs, which is for me the biggest selling point of the show. Yeah, and I couldn't stand the lead character in the trailer alone. She's like. Being defiant for defiance sake. Right. It's like knock it off. Yeah. Like just already, kind of the way like already felt, well, in a trailer already I'm getting this. Kind from of you? the way I felt about Jen Urso when I saw the trailer for Rogue One. I was just saying, oh, <laughs> she's feisty and great. And another interesting thing that I'm wondering about uh, Star Trek Discovery too is something that you don't know, is she is another Walking Dead uh, oh, is that character right? who Yeah, she actually just uh her character story just got written off. Hey, surprise, surprise. Okay. <laughs> you know. From the show, I don't know if it was if it was done this way in the comic or not. So yeah, but um, yeah. So I'm curious to see if she parallels her character from Walking Dead. No, oh, okay. in that over, respect, over under, over under on seasons. Oh Cause, boy, because mm-hmm. it used to be a staple, seven seasons. Yeah, then Enterprise, Enterprise broke that with four. with four. Yeah, yeah. Over under on this, I say three. Yeah, I say it gets three seasons. Hmm. This, there's, to me, I hate to say it, not enough information for me to call. I'm only seeing the trailers. So. I honestly think the this franchise... This is CBS, right? And it's CBS's yes, web, web. That's manner. one of the things. That's another thing. It's going to be on their web service. It's but, not going to be primetime TV. And that's just part... that To me, that adds fuel to cutting it shorter than making it last longer. Because I don't think it's going to do as well. It's going to last as long with a budget that high. For, I say They're going to have to move it to, to network. I say one... And uh, I'll give it two because it has the name Star Trek uh, on it. But I don't think enough people are going to have access to that online service. And I think their numbers are going to be askew because people are... This show is going to be 
n- n- the only people who are going to see it are the people who pirated it. I yeah. hate to say that, and that's probably how I yeah. will see it. I'm only going to pirate it. Yeah. I'm not going to subscribe to their bullshit network. Yeah, alleged. So I've already got Netflix. Alleged, you're only allegedly going to pirate it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to be. I'm taking friends of mine are going to be showing. I will go to somebody's house who probably maybe has a subscription. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's just gonna it's gonna end up on on Pirate Bay or one of these places the moment it airs and then that's how everybody's gonna see it. It's, I don't I, I just, see CBS's streaming service panning out well, no matter what they. Put I don't on know there. what their strategy is. Well, they I, they had a show I, that a lot of people probably like ten years older than us loved. It was called it's called The Good Wife, mm-hmm. and a lot of women love that show. A lot of jokes are made on on shows like Family Guy and stuff about The Good Wife. And oh stuff. sure. But it was a very popular show. They did a spinoff. That show ended. They did a spinoff, and they launched their web service with The Good Fight, which is a spinoff off The Good Wife. Now, I have no idea how good that's done or not done on there, hmm. but it brings back almost the entire cast and everything to that show. But I honestly don't think, even between the popularity of that, and you're again, you're targeting a demographic that's probably not the most internet-savvy people that watch mm-hmm. The Good Wife, so I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah. But... Between even if you get half of that, whatever you're hoping to get, and you try to hope you're figuring all oh, the Star Trek people, they're techie people, they're into tech, they'll do it. I don't think CBS's web streaming service is going to do very well, period. But then I also don't, even if it does do well enough for them to keep it going for some reason, I think the budget's going to be too high for Discovery to keep it there. Mm. And, and they're going to have to try to make more revenue to keep the budget up, which means advertisers that want their advertisements on TV. So they're either going to have to bring it to network. So I was originally going to say two seasons like you did. I gave it a third because of the name Star Trek and because I think it's playing in that realm of is it going to stay on the web? Is it going to... Because if it does jump over to network, that's almost going to buy it another season too um, because they're going to have to give it time to see how the ratings Well, I'm just looking at like a show like Supergirl. Like Supergirl lasted one season, you know? And that's Supergirl. I mean, that's a fairly popular... But they moved it to one of their other properties. Well, they, they, do, they own part of CW. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, it, it could be a scenario like that where they're like, well, I'll kick it over to, you know, something else. I I don't see it doing well on a network, let alone on this, this stream. Well, it service. also depends. The one thing I'm going to say about Discovery, we're only basing everything on the trailer with these, like, amazing visuals of space stuff. How much of that is actually going to be in the show? Right. Yeah. It could be just them sitting there being emo in the room for, to- for like, 60 <laughs> minutes, you know? Yeah, if, I get, mo- each if other, I get more of what little i saw of the characters if i'm getting more of that i don't i'm out yeah i've mm-hmm. been calling it serious trek yeah yeah i uh, i could i can i can agree with how, how it looks how it looks it's but, a lot like the new 52 for me with dc's with star trek when they redid the movies i was i went in hopeful hoping it was going to be good and I, it's not that it was bad it's just not for me anymore that's for a new audience now and it's very clear that i'm not the target and that's fine i can accept that but that doesn't mean I still can't be entertained by more of it than less of it. Mm. And yet the movies have dropped off. I expect this show to kind of hold that kind of feeling. And I, I'm sure there's still the hardcore Trekkies that will be there till the day they die that, you know, they've made the documentaries and everything about. But I just get a general sense in, in society as a mm-hmm. whole that Star Trek doesn't have that pull. The, just the words when you hear it, Star Trek. That it used to have. I mean, you got to remember that that that's, we're talking about a franchise that used to have movies and TV show more than one TV show on the air at a time, right? And it was super popular. Even mm-hmm. I mean, it was so popular that it brought a show from the '60s back. 
you know, but we're talking when, uh, you know, the, the original crew was making movies in the theaters. Mm-hmm. You had Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager. I mean, you had... It was yeah. everywhere. There was a lot. <laughs> it was a, it was a it was a name yeah. that right. rivaled Star Wars. And right. now I think it's it's become more of a fad than than a name. Yeah, it's more it's, of it's a become cult. Thing. Right, and it, cult following. Usually now. It's, it goes the other way. Cult usually it goes the other way around. And I think it's it was always the combat between Star Wars and Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Trek, and then there's like you and me in the corner, Doctor Who, right. you know, in the eighties. They're like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Throwing food at you. Yeah. Exactly. Give your damn robot dogs and shit. Yeah, your Doctor, five dollar budget. You're like Doctor Who's over here, and you like follow him in the door, and then they kick you in the ass, and you're exactly. in the alley. Like what the hell? <laughs> no, exactly. So now but, it's but now it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who, honestly, honestly, I'd say I Doctor hate to Who's say more Doctor popular than Star Trek. Right now. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek. I, I hate uh... to say that Doctor Who right now is more popular than Star Trek, and I feel, and I still say that with humility, saying the only reason that is is because Doctor Who is the only remote thing on television right now, remotely science fiction. Despite right. the fact that it's, I don't never... think it's because it's, like, it's got this arcane, beautiful storytelling that's never been told before, anything like that. No, it's just because it's the only sci-fi thing. You're right, and it's like it's never been like as good. As it was when uh, David Tennant was there, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's never after season four. It never became as good again, but still, I think it had some moments, particularly like the Zygon. With and, uh, oh yeah, it had moments, of course. But I still like show, season nine a lot. The show as a whole, I feel, has never been as good as it was. It's like season no. four was the peak. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that was its peak for sure. Yeah. The pinnacle, it's the never top of got, its game. It's never gotten back up to that level. And I don't think this. But new... despite that. I still think you're right that it like it, right now if you tell if you ask somebody you know average Joe what you know which uh, sci-fi you ever heard of you know say well Doctor Who you know that's the thing that like, they're going to say Star Wars first and right then they're going to say Doctor when Who. Star Wars is mm-hmm. everywhere thanks to Disney yeah not saying that Paramount can't put Star Trek out there but Disney is just a, a juggernaut yeah you've got, they have money, you've got enough money to throw at it well you just can... think of everything they have control of it's it's ridiculous i mm-hmm. mean the two biggest things out there are theirs marvel and star wars right yep. now but back to the original point i don't think the star trek show is going to bring it back i heard apple wants to buy disney did you hear that i know disney I, I selling assets say I've heard i know something that. like that yeah wait who wants to buy who again apple wants to buy disney can they uh, apparently they have enough money to do it. Yeah. Hmm. So if they did, Apple would own all that stuff. Oh, and Pixar. They own, they own that too. Yeah. Yep. That is true. So, well, they, they did the merger with them. Right. That I was mean, kind of, that they was launched under them. Actually, Apple originally had, had Pixar, Pixar with yeah. Steve Jobs. Right. Right. But, right. But the point of all this to me is Star Trek is a diminishing brand. Like you, you put it best. It's gone from big, Big name to cult, which to me, like I said before, is the opposite. It usually goes the other way yeah. around. I don't see this show specifically pulling it anywhere out of near the status, the cult status. At this point, I will agree with you. I haven't seen enough to make a full-gone conclusion, but at this point, yeah. I hate to say that. And especially, like Ray said, where you're going to get it. It's not going to be. It's not going to be out there to thing, the masses. Yeah. It's going to be. It, you're. It's you're not going to be. Yeah, Star Trek everybody Plus. everywhere is going to watch at least the pilot. Right. But their numbers. Aren't I think gonna they're going to air that. the pilot. They're going to air the pilot on network. Okay, so yeah. they're going to air the pilot on the network. After that, you got to go to. Wait. The so they're going to they're going to air the pilot on network, and they're going to say, "Okay, if you want to see the rest, yeah. yeah, right, right, yeah, give you a taste. First so, taste is free, like a drug dealer. Right. So they're <laughs> going to be like, yeah, first taste is free. But uh, it's, it's so... You get Ray getting off the street. Like, nobody's yeah. going... What I'm saying... 
what I, goes down. What I'm saying is nobody is their numbers aren't going to reflect any viewership because everybody's no. going to pirate the thing. Right. So they're going to be like, well, this show, you know, there's like nobody's watching it. Well, everybody's watching it, but you your numbers about, don't show that. You want to talk about something that's in cult status and and not getting out of it? They're helping trying to keep it there. Mm-hmm. They're pushing it in a cult way, like underground. Yeah. Like you're saying, everybody's going to watch it in a pirated or version of it. Well, that's basically yeah. a – that's a definition of cult. As I remember reading, vaguely remember reading, their logic was, well, Star Trek is a – you know, a, a they used a kind word, but nerds ultimately is what they – we're going for yeah they're banking on our, our so they're tech like savvy. You know, they yeah they're they're tech savvy and they know how that's probably the word they use they're, they're star yeah. trek is a tech savvy crowd they're a bunch of nerds who know how to those, go online and and they'll download stream it. it like people stream netflix you know uh, but those same nope. yeah those <laughs> same people are also smart enough to know how uh you know qubit torrent or whatever you know program you're going to use you know to amazing how they can study the demographic to a point yeah they know that kind of stuff yeah then they also you should also know that Game of Thrones is the most downloaded illegal illegally downloaded show in the mm-hmm. history of the internet. Super popular and plenty of people get HBO lucky for HBO cuz they want it for other stuff too, but do you do you not draw the the conclusion what's going to happen with your Star Trek show? Mm-hmm. It's happening already with the <laughs> most popular show yep. on TV. It's already happening. Right. Oh, no, we don't get that. Well, enjoy keeping it in cult status because that's where it's going to be. <laughs> well done, CBS. Yeah. And that streaming service, yeah, I'll see that in, in the garbage in about two years because yeah. nobody can. The only people who can stream CBS are the of people all things, that have I mean, that catalog, the power behind them. Netflix, may, Hulu's kind of there, but even Hulu, when you see them advertised, they're like, we have movies, and they show like Spectre, like <laughs> 007 Spectre. It's like, well, didn't that come out like 10 years ago? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, like Netflix, yeah. You'd see, right. You're, you're right. You see that? It's like, oh, yeah, well, Netflix. Then Hulu and comes Amazon, out. And you're just Amazon. Like, <laughs> right. Or Amazon. Because yeah, they, they Amazon. have... Amazon's got Doctor Who. Yeah. And they've got, a, they've got some original programming that's getting some recognition. Yeah. But nobody's going to... ABC tried at first. Nobody's going to come to your streaming service. They don't care. Especially CBS, the old people network. You know, I mean... <laughs> I mean, and, we know this. NCIS yeah. online. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get it. Is this diagnosis murder online? I don't get this. <laughs> exactly. How That's, many people are going to call their grandkids to come and set this? App I need up to watch diagnosis it? murder. Can you please get to set the app what for it, this application? What the hell thing? is CBS All Access? Why can't I get an app on my television set? Do I need I an antenna understand. for this? <laughs> Can yeah, you get? I can. I need one of them cable boxes. I'm gonna be getting a lot of phone calls. Yep, it's not gonna make <laughs> to it. install there. Yeah, it's not gonna make it. It's just, uh, yeah. There's it's... only two or three powerhouse streaming app companies, and honestly, Netflix has their foot on the throat of Hulu and Netflix, Amazon, Amazon. and uh, iTunes. Really, I mean, it's I don't know. There's yeah, but I mean, iTunes doesn't do anything original. I you know so I hate saying. to say this, I think, but Hulu they're going over, to soon. Hulu over iTunes. They're going to soon, though. Mm-hmm. Apple's going to start producing original content, as I understand. That's why that's that's why they want Disney. Then I well, then I wouldn't write them up because they can come up and mm-hmm. yeah. They're like, you. we want Disney because we want in on this game, and so if we get if we snatch up Disney, then we've got Marvel, we've got Star Wars, we've got Disney, we've got all these things. Oh, well, and it's interesting. Now we're a contender. Netflix signed a contract with Disney for the Marvel and Star Wars franchises. Mm. 
So that would be really well. And I'm also I want to look into it too. Let's also not forget what recently came up with the fact that they're working with Henson Studios mm. on uh, Dark Crystal. The Dark Crystal. Henson Studios is also Disney. Right. Right. So man, they own everything. <laughs> they own they everything. They it's, own ESPN. They it's own not everything. even a joke. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Disney owns. Actually, ESPN is one of the companies that they have that don't make them enough money, and they're talking about selling them off. They just cut like. 60 people from like they, they've been doing layoffs every year at espn because people aren't watching espn like they they're did watching private was, live tickets and stuff now again there's these things that i've heard that are out there where you can watch sporting events without having to have cable tv anymore <laughs> oh sure so if that's the case then espn is becoming less and less relevant mm. but it is a disney property yeah they own that too and ABC, the ABC network is theirs as well. So, yeah. So, uh, ultimately, um, Seth MacFarlane's show, better bet for both watchers and the networks. I'm more optimistic, but even that one, I need more information. I want to see what kind of a story they're going to present. I'm glad to see and what kind of jokes they're going to do. I'm glad it, it doesn't look like they're going to go down the family guy root of just slapstick humor right yeah no. where it's just it's about them trying to be uh trying to be a crew but being kind of a bit of a cock-ups doing it yeah they have a you know they they were given a mission i mean and the, the trailer mm-hmm. establishes that they have this mission and then when they get there they kind of find more than they bargained for and it's going to be seth mcfarland kind of proving himself to be you know better than what they think he right. is because the guy even tells him at the be it's uh victor garber yeah. is there and he's like you know you're not the f- you're, you're nobody's first choice for this right, you're basically all that's left Can i have one of these <laughs> mints that's a marble <laughs> yeah. it'll be interesting to see which show lasts longer mm-hmm. yeah, really. and i'm not just talking i'm not well because it's hard to say you can't compare because one's on, online and one's on fox i'm talking overall like if like we were joking but if if mcfarland show is to be picked up on netflix or, or hulu or something then I wonder, like I'm talking overall, wherever they both end up, whether CBS pushes it to network and then McFarlane jumps to streaming and they switch spots. As an old school fan of science fiction. Who do you think will last longer? That's the question. Right. As an old yeah. school fan of science fiction and like, you know, back in the day and remember that, I would actually feel really sad if Orville got a bigger following than a Star Trek <laughs> show. It's not. No, I, I but think it could Star happen. Trek's, You're right. It could feasibly happen. I don't think that'll happen. I think what I think it'll just be I, something where CBS will be like, okay, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Fox will, like I said, they already got yeah. their tinfoil hats on and they're ready to be like, we're going to put you up against somebody that you can't beat already. But I still I remember know. when uh, Family Guy came back. You remember the very first episode? I'm that sh- they did? I'm, I remember it coming back. And literally the very first skit. That they did. They actually did this release. Oh, yeah, before the cold, before the theme, the cold open to it. Yeah, yeah the cold open. Yeah. It just opens like, it opens with, you know, Peter going, he's like, oh, I've got some bad news, family. We've been canceled. <laughs> They're like, what? He's like, it's, it's like, yeah, it just seems that, you know, we need to do, uh, we have to make room, Fox can't do, um, has to make room for other quality programs. They like, start, they fire, do the list. He just does this laundry list of, like, The Tick, Firefly, Greg the Bunny, like, all of these canceled shows that, like, did this huge laundry list. And, and then Lois like, well, is there any hope? She's like, well, is there any hope? It's like, well, I suppose if all those shows fail, we might get a shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was perfect. And that's kind of like how I said, but, but that sums up like the whole Fox mentality yeah. of how they just they just go they shoot so a many great, shows. Down. A great comeback speech. 
Uh, probably the the second best comeback speech. You remember the best comeback speech uh, was when uh, Norm Macdonald got fired off of Saturday Night Live, and then he came back to host. Yeah, and he's like, "So I've gone from not being funny enough to even be allowed in this building to being so funny that I'm now hosting the show. <laughs> when did I suddenly get so goddamn funny?" <laughs> and he says, "Then I figured it out." I haven't gotten funnier. This show has just gotten really bad. <laughs> so yeah, I'm funny. Really? So so yeah, I'm funny compared to well, you know, you'll see later. <laughs> <laughs> he was he oh, is, wow. He is I, I know Ray's always been a big fan, but he is a lot funnier than like people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess his style of humor has to appeal to you, but Norm Macdonald is actually a lot funnier than people give him well, credit. Well, I for. think one of his shining moments was at the uh, Comedy Central roast of Bob Saget when he just went in and told like very like dumb juvenile jokes. Yeah. And uh yeah, yeah it, it was it was hysterical. Yeah, if you just look that up on YouTube, just Norm Macdonald at the Bob Saget roast and his, his the jokes he tells about Bob Saget are just so intentionally stupid that it it, it just comes off as genius or even his interviews like when he's like on conan or something like that i sent you one there was uh somebody was doing well the courtney thorne smith thing when she was uh promoting the carrot top movie that she was in okay Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that was one of the greatest moments ever (laughs) where uh she, well, she was. Uh, there was she, a carrot top movie. She yes, there was uh, uh, sometime in the late '90s, I believe. This is an old interview, and uh, yeah. she, uh, Courtney Thorne Smith, had just left Melrose Place, and then she was going to be in this movie with Carrot Top. And Norm Macdonald was the previous guest, so his time's over, and he's sitting over here on the couch with Andy Richter. And Conan is now talking to Courtney Thorne Smith about how she left Melrose Place and now she's doing this movie with Carrot Top. And Norm Macdonald's like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Like, yes, time's over. But he's like, he interrupts the interview. He's like, wait, you you left Melrose Place to do a movie with Carrot Top? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he's like, and he keeps going on about it. She, she's like, yeah, you know, it's basically like, uh, it's like the movie Nine and a Half Weeks, but with Carrot Top. And then uh, Norm Macdonald's like, maybe they should call it uh, nine and a half seconds. <laughs> you know, and then everybody starts laughing. And he's like, you know, because he uh, he prematurely ejaculated. <laughs> and Conan's like, you know, he tells the joke, but I'm looking at him because I know there's more. And so then finally Conan's like, all right, all right, all right. What's the name of the movie? She's like chairman of the board. And he looks at Norm and he's like, do something with that, you freak. <laughs> Yeah. And Norm comes right back with, I bet the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, so man, he's so funny. Um, we, you know, we're about two hours into this now. So I think we should probably talk about our main topic that we were going to talk about. We just got done watching. We literally did. We, we all together uh, watched Doctor Who, the most recent episode yep. of Doctor Who, which as of this week is episode eight. Eight. Episode 8 of Season 10 is the most recent one that was on. It was called the... Um, what, what the hell was it called? I always forget Some, the titles. Something about lies. 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 Yeah, so what the heck? It was a name on there. Oh, if we yeah. only had a device that we could look these things up with. It's. I mean, I wish they would invent something that, uh, that we could look I think the up. fact that none of us can remember the name is going to... is a very excellent lead it's a, it's to very this te- season. It's very this, te- is, this has been me... This, By the way, this has been me with a lot of the new series of Doctor Who. I can't remember half the names of them. But you give me a classic series, I can name you every any episode. Yeah, well, you've seen them a million times, whereas with this new stuff... There's a reason I've seen them a million times. Right, right. Well, that's the trick, right? It's like you... Not not a lot of this stuff is like re rewatchable. Is that is mm-hmm. that even a word? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, if it isn't, we know what you mean by it. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to sit down and here, are you going to go out and if you're one of those people that buy a season, are you going to go out and buy the Blu-ray box? The Lie of the this? Land. The Lie of the Land. There you go. Which was preceded by The Pyramid at the End of the World. The yes. second part of The Pyramid at the End of the World, which for mm-hmm. some reason I was able to remember oh, that is, title. This is three parts. This is three parts. It started with an extremist. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. See, I can't even keep it straight. You guys are right. It's, <laughs> it's you know... It's it's gone downhill a little bit, but it's not terrible. No. Well, I'm going to tell you the one thing that I'm a little frustrated, a little flustered with is this is why we supposedly had the gap year, uh, most recently because Stephen Moffat, this is his exit season. Mm. This is supposed to be his exit season. We're going to save all that money for like the big stuff. Yeah. Right. That you're going to be really shocked. And even I'm kind of going. This is this was it, huh? This. I honestly feel like Moffat's mailing it in. Well, yeah. This, yeah, unless he's, he's probably, gonna knock by, unless he's saving it all for Ice Warriors and Cybermen, I'm he's not it. That he was these... making Sherlock season four at the time, I think. During like they, they were probably made around the same time as this. I'm sure. No, because there was the year off. Yeah, but he was still writing stuff. I I, I don't know. Maybe that's, I think maybe he's that's mailing it was. in because he knows he's done. I think a perfect example is we. But there are other writers besides him, right? But he ultimately has the say, and mm-hmm. and this and the perfect example where I'm going with this is this three episode arc that basically takes up the middle of this season. Mm-hmm. It would have been fine if this monks the villain in these three, if you will, um, episodes. It would have been fine if they would have been a one week villain, mm-hmm. but you made them. You wanted to make them big enough to carry a three yeah. three episode arc. They didn't really do anything. They didn't no. do anything. They didn't. They weren't. They won't stand out. They're not anything long lasting. They're nothing to be worried. About. They're no different than the the one uh, David Tennant's first Christmas episode that come and take the cigarettes. The, to, they're forgettable. Right. They're mm-hmm. not coming back. I wouldn't think. And if mm-hmm. they do, why? Right. They didn't have any lasting. And that just all says to me, mailing it in. Mm-hmm. They and they they honestly, in an odd way, remind me of the silence. Mm, yeah in a way too like how they were observing earth for all these years and everything waiting for the right week moment mm-hmm. to attack it's like the silence did kind of say it's like Moffitt, they were like a scary monster villain too that's with, with kind of weird faces thing. it's very mailed in when in you're tuxedos. kind of rehashing your own <laughs> right. stuff this one this is a problem with sci-fi as a as a whole not not just doctor who is that why does why does every alien race that's evil look like monsters why is this? This is a th- this is a trope in Star Trek, and it's in Doctor Who. It's in so many sci-fi uh, things that they're like, why is why is the bad guy? Why can't the bad guy be like a little flowery alien? <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's been done where people well, are do or by is the bad or does the, or does the bad guy monster race have good people who well, are just like I can't help the way I look? <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you what Doctor Who's guilty of that. Uh, you could probably back me up on this, but you didn't know the Silurians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that pissed me off as a classic series fan is how they look mm. compared to what they were in the original series. In the original series, I mean they had that whole could they be good, could they be bad, you know, they're you know, will they side will they side with the good? You know, they had that on there. But they were reptiles. They had like three eyes, right, yeah. huge bulky heads, weird beak thing. There was a mask that they wore. So now, there was nothing human about them. Yeah, looking. Now they've made them very humanized. Yeah. Appealing to you yeah, right. visually. It's, it's what I called, I actually called it when we were arguing on the internet. I said at that time it was that movie, 
um not the abyss what's the one that that um the, the blue people on the planet avatar avatar yes, yes. You know, it's like it's the whole reason why all the all the monsters on that planet are all all the creatures in there are all six limbed monstrosities. But then you have these like two two limbed normal cat people right. or you know cat people right. right that are like really beautiful and elegant. Yeah, and that was the same thing problem I had with the Silurians. They they did that just to make them more sympathetic. Right. I've actually said to myself, if I by some god awful miracle in a parallel universe, if I had control of um Doctor Who. I would actually do an episode where I would have the beautiful Silurians meet up with the doctor. Oh, and they yeah. say that we're like, oh, you know, we have this problem with this other sect of Silurians. And it would, would, would bring back or the cousins. old school yeah, ones. That would be neat. And they're saying they're like, oh, these are people who have been there. But then I would turn the tables where the be- you find out the beautiful ones are the ones wronging the ugly ones. Yeah. Which would, would give you a you want, where you get actually good, like normal, nice-looking yes. people. Yeah, it, actually it turn just the like they always do. I've I've made the joke in Star Trek and in, uh, in Doctor Who, but like um, the the bad aliens always are monsters, mm-hmm. and their spaceships are always like bad looking. Yeah, too. dark and yeah, so like no, like nobody, yeah, animals. nobody ever has designed a spaceship that's evil that just looks like a normal spaceship. Even the mining ship. In the the new Star Trek movie, yes, that's it's what I said. Right? Like, with ship. all of those yeah. like tentacles yeah. coming off of it and it's stuff, like even, it's a mining ship. Yeah, it's What's not it? even built for battle. But boy, does that thing look like it wants to hurt you for some reason? I'm like, yeah, you know, exactly. and, and like, well, and then want, the sequel, the very you, next movie, they're like, uh, okay, so now, um, um, uh, now RoboCop has his ship. Remember, remember, <laughs> RoboCop was in was in uh, the second new Star Trek movie. Peter Weller. Yeah, Peter Weller was the bad guy in the second Star Trek movie. And I apparently remember that. And he was chasing down the Enterprise That's with right. his ship. And his ship is, of course, it's black and it's way bigger than the Enterprise. And it's a Starfleet so that, ship. That, yeah, it's a Starfleet ship, but, but it's evil. way bigger than the Enterprise <laughs> and it's painted black, which makes it evil. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we know, oh, this ship is badass because it's big. That I like that mentality is just so ridiculous because, like, bigger, it's just a larger target. Doesn't anybody? It's the classic movie thing well, of the cowboy wearing the white hat and the black hat. Yeah. yeah. Well, ironically, I don't know if you knew about this in the um, the first Star Trek movie. By first, we mean the modern day ones. Mm. Um, they explained why that ship, that Romulan mining ship, was in designed there because apparently it was built out of Borg technology. I don't even remember that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's welcome to stupid comic. There was some comic that came out. Mm-hmm. That actually that explained that 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 was the prequel. Oh, to trying that. to fix Alex. Kurtzman no, this was actually Roberto before Orsi's. the movie came out. Oh, this okay. wasn't trying to fix it. Oh. This actually did come out before. It was and it was supposedly pre- it was a preemptive a, fix. Like we I, know we're gonna get shit on this. Exactly. We better say something. Can you guys come up with a comic or something that so the fans can read before this comes out and explain this? They're, yeah, they're I know. Anticipating exactly. their complaints in advance. Oh, they're gonna give a shit on yeah. this. Let, uh, so, somebody uh, whip up a comic. Get a comic out there. Nerds read comics, right? Yeah, that'll. Uh, well, they probably said let's do a prequel and there was probably like somebody was given all the information he's like oh shit yeah. <laughs> he's like i i gotta do something to explain this can you God-awful imagine thing can you did. imagine they wrote that script and then they gave it to like their star trek historian 
who fucking fell off that's his what I'm chair saying. and was like, oh, God. That's oh. what I'm saying probably happened. And so he's probably like slipping notes to the person right in the comic. Please do this. Save yeah, us. Fix it. Fell yeah. off his chair and more like stood on it and kicked it out from underneath him. <laughs> did, did the proverbial, you know, th- throw the desk? The uh, Well, no, I'm thinking more of uh, Terry Gilliam. Uh, oh, heart did, attack. Yeah, the animator Suddenly. suffered a fatal heart attack. <laughs> One frame of animation. Yeah, like three frames. <laughs> you just think if you just do it right, you don't have to worry about covering your tracks on everything. Yeah. It's that simple. I will say this about knowing the Star Wars franchise, franchises I do. Uh, Hidalgo is their go-to guy, and he, he answers questions on Twitter and everything from time to time. But they seem to have their shit together. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't seem, especially when they reset everything and said, all right, all this stuff is legends now. All this stuff is canon from mm-hmm. prior, and moving forward, everything's going to be canon. Star Trek, on the other hand, is a hot mess. Right. Well, and there's two again. Stay out of the prime timeline. That's a good way to not create yourself any extra headaches mm-hmm. because you have a lot more. Which would, which would piss off already half the fans as is. Right. Well, I think you're that's why they did that. I, yeah, I think that's why. I think you're on the right track. Why they did that because, well, let's put it back in the prime timeline so that you know that we can like maybe. Hook in some of those older fans. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that's what they want. And we know we lost we can use, them. We can use the design elements of the new, but hook in those old yep. fans, you know, and and uh, by using the prime. But still, the, even though even though this was supposed to be talking about Doctor Who, right, the one thing right. I'll always say that I hate about Star Trek is again the, the, the they're following the one thing instead of boldly going where no man has gone before, we're boldly stumbling backwards and telling stories that have been told before right. or whatever. Yeah. We're never going forward. We're never going to know anything post Voyager world. Right. That's where I would like to go. And said, like it, what it's happened just, after it's all, like you know? it's, it's like you just want to go in there, fly into the meeting and go, I'm going to say a few words that's very simple. Star Trek the third generation. Right. Is it really that hard? Oh, you know where you start right away. I mean if Janeway's already an admiral, she's in charge of Starfleet, right? <laughs> Shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> but that probably would work. I so, can see that. Um, <laughs> just, just I, I, I would put that suggestion just to spite you, Ray. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's why <laughs> it's there. That's, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. The, Attention the, in the room. Here comes leader of Starfleet, Catherine Janeway. <laughs> that's a fucking trash. <laughs> Ray's like in the theater. No, this is bullshit. He's like getting pulled out, dragged. <laughs> Like the dude in uh, Mallrats, you fucking tracer. Exactly. <laughs> tracer. <laughs> but back to the original point of aliens, and where we started with this with the Doctor Who aliens and these monks, they reminded me of the silence. And the reason that. Mm-hmm. And, the and reason, I didn't like them. No, and I didn't either. And that goes into the Matt Smith era that I'm, I've made more than clear how I feel about that. But to me, it, it reeks of mailing it in mm-hmm. it's like if you're going to create something especially when they first start talking in extremists they talk they have that same way whispering. of you know what i'm also going to go this too i'm even going to take this back even further this goes back to moff's first monsters that he made the gas mask children mm-hmm. the are you my mummy yeah are yeah. you my mummy that's all they did they just creepy blank staring mask thing are you my mummy Creepy, but ultimately not very effective in mm. getting anything done, really. I mean, but the silence's mouths didn't move, right? And they whispered when they spoke, like, yeah. when they were talking. Oh, you try to do this, right? Mm. The this monks is drama, <laughs> the, <laughs> right. and the monks are the same way. Yeah, 
Their mouths really don't. They finally start moving a little, but they move off to what they're saying. Well, you know what's really weird for me is it's what's going to be very disconcerting. Um, you two probably haven't seen it, but the original Mondasian Cybermen spoke like that. Mm. They, their mouths would open, and they would just they they would just open up, and then words would come out. Mm-hmm. But it was clearly somebody's mouth opening. So, right. it was, so the very next week, then or, the, or within a couple weeks, we're going to get. Villains that Again, they, weren't, they weren't whispery, were they? They were no. normal voice or no, robotic, actually, robotic mm, voice. They were robotic. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do this, but Uh-oh. um, here it comes big finish. Yeah, they did um, spare parts, which had the Mondesian Cybermen, and I'm more than <laughs> I'm more than positive. Yeah. Cash register. I was trying to avoid it, but I'm more than positive that Nick Briggs, the guy who does the voice of the Cybermen, the Daleks. He does the voice of the Mondazian Cybermen in there. I am positive he's going to do that same modulation in there, too. Yeah. Because he did it in there. And the way they talk is very funny. I've told you about that. They talk very much like this. Very inflected. <laughs> they speak very oddly and do things that just talk weirdly. So he'll probably just do the same. Well, I mean, as long as, as long as I just want the one of the Cybermen to get hit, just so I can hear that Cyberman sound that he does, because when they get hit and they go, <laughs> I God, I love that sound. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see what he's going to do, especially after having just done these villains that kind of talk in the same way. If they're going to change them up or they're going to. Mm. Well, the worst part about making a forgettable season to this point, it's not the worst season. I still wouldn't put it as the worst season by any means. Six. It's yeah, clearly six. But at the same time, it's not. And again, it's not horrible. It's watchable. Mm-hmm. It's not rewatchable. Right. So that makes it okay, not great, not something you're like, man. You know, not too long from now, I'm going to sit down and watch this all over again. This is one of those where it's like, I'm enjoying it for the most part. Each week it's okay. I, I don't I don't feel like it's a task to watch it. Yeah. But the worst part to me about making a season that like that that's gonna especially on your way out, you're wasting Capaldi. Right. Mm-hmm. You're wasting not only do you got him looking like uh you know, Rick from Rick and Morty this year with his hair, and I, I don't know what's going on a little bit there, but well, I, I, I got to tell you, Bill, uh, we yeah. gotta uh, get back in the TARDIS. Right. And, uh... He's a couple burps away from being Rick sometimes, but besides that, actually, got... the funny thing is, it kind of reminds me of John Pertwee uh, and his Buffon, yeah, that he had because they actually said you could tell the which episode it is by how bigger, how big uh, John Pertwee's Buffon gets, and it's actually Peter Capaldi's very much the same way. His hair is just going out wilder and wilder. It's just yeah. a cape away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I have noticed that that his hair kind of was short and old man like, and they, they it almost felt felt like an attempt to make him more youthful and more like you know like let's make him more like youthful and jumpy and crazy looking and you know try and. Hook in a. Well, they they, they built out his uh, hair a little bit more, and they decided, well, you know what? Let's give him sunglasses and play an electric guitar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think of the actors who have played the lead role since it re re upped in two thousand five. I'm not saying he's the best actor because I've seen ten. I'm biased towards ten. I've seen him do a lot of things, but he's not far off of him, even if I put ten and above him. But I think he's clearly the most established actor coming into the role Mm -hmm. so you're taking somebody with his pedigree behind him and you've already seen it in prior seasons how good he can be as the doctor and in torchwood so this is his Mm -hmm. this is his yeah this is his swan song this is his way out this is moffat this is your way out 
like you said, we took a year off. I just had higher expectations. Mm-hmm. Not not lofty, ridiculous ones, but I know I know what Capaldi's capable of. I wasn't of. expecting season four, but I was expecting, you know, better. I, I was expecting something at least comparable to last season. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. not getting that. And it's like you're wasting this great actor that you have who's shown he can handle this role very, very well, and you're not utilizing it. It's mm. just like you're going through the motions this season. And that's just it. That's why it's not a bad season because going through the motions is good enough for fans like us. But we've also seen much better. We've seen worse, but we've seen better. And as your last season, you should be going out with like throwing everything out there you got because somebody else is going to take the show over. So as long as you don't destroy the continuity in the canon – have at it, man. Go wild. It's funny that your you, ideas, throw them out there. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned, I wanted to say it before, but I was going to say it for the Doctor Who bit. When you mentioned how Star Trek fans, that there will be loyal Star Trek fans that will watch it, watch it no matter how bad it is. Mm-hmm. I actually am very much that way with Doctor Who. I will watch it. And I actually was at the uh, our the at Chicago, we have the Chicago TARDIS convention. Mm, yeah. There's a panel that they usually put on that I like. It's called... I hate this, or it's like, I, I don't like the new series, but I watch it anyways. <laughs> and it's like, and so why? And one of my, my personal explanations that I say, for me personally, classic series was the grandfather I never had. Mm-hmm. That was a show that made so much thing to me. And he that was a family member. Do- Doctor Who was a huge thing in my life. So no matter what, as, and now I liken the new series to be, uh, my grandfather is senile. He's pinching the wife, or he's pinching the nurse's ass. He's doing crazy shit. But you know what? God damn it, he's family. I have to deal with him. Well he's said. Re- I sir. want to still take care. Well of Well said. He's reached that point where he can smack a waitress on the ass in, a, in the restaurant, and then they just looking. Oh, because he's old. It's okay. Exactly. Yeah. How old do you have to be where that happens anyway? Because yeah. it's like if you're you're fifty, you're gonna get a you're gonna get thrown out of the restaurant if the police aren't called. But if you're like sixty five, maybe seventy, yeah. Oh, that's cute. He's uh, old. There goes old Moff again. Yeah. <laughs> that that's just the way I see this season going so far. Now maybe there's enough time. I'm there, not but saying it had to salvage moments. it, but just to make it pick it up yeah it had moments like yeah. i i particularly enjoyed the haunted house episode three that was a neat one i yeah. actually liked that yeah, a lot of people different. yeah a lot of people that i like that and for some reason even though i wasn't so sold on the whole you know they're there i actually kind of like smile a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, it's an it was, interesting kind and i think i think one of the, half the reason why i also like smile was because at least not initially until they went into the ship everything was science fiction looking right, right. it wasn't everything dark and gloomy yeah bright and i mean this episode in particular we just watched it was uh i mean we watched it down in a basement on a projector so it was even darker than it needed to be but it was a very dark mm-hmm. episode to begin with you know so it was yeah just very very drab very dark and yeah that uh, very stark contrast to that episode like the expression said. goes that there's when you have a season of a show generally like a supernatural type of show that has like 20 plus episodes to a season that you're going to get some filler episodes yeah well that's what this three episode arc felt like to me filler episodes the problem is is we don't have 20 something episodes where we need three filler episodes yeah we're we're only going 12 episodes Mm -hmm. this season Mm -hmm. so you you have half the time you should be able to Every story should be great. Okay, I'll give you that you're going to get a dud every once in a while, yeah. love and monsters, whatever. But it happens. <laughs> Fear her. But it happens. But 
to have a whole, you know, to have Mr. A, Subliminal, right. Kevin Nealon. There you go. <laughs> that you have three episodes in the dead heart of your season, the middle, like where everything should be building towards something bigger yeah. and better. Well, later. especially they, there was building up the monks to be like the new big bad, you know? Yeah, yeah and that's. Well, just, they're building up that vault too for a number of episodes. Oh, it's just. Missy I, hanging out in there. Well, that's why you mentioned the last podcast. I, I don't know if it was on. No, we didn't do a podcast. That. No, last you, time I was here. We last were time we were here, we were supposed to do a podcast, but you didn't. That's right. But yeah, Coop called it. That was the master. I originally didn't think it was going to be because I said that was too obvious. Too obvious. Yeah, I remember. But no, you called it. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what gave it away to me? And I don't think I said it that night, but I'll say it now. And even though it, it'll just look like, yo, of course you knew. I'm sure you did. <laughs> it, it looked Gallifreyan. Yeah, yeah. The framework of the door and everything. Well, I, and the funny thing is I noticed it was Gallifreyan, but I didn't put that together because, you no, know, Missy, she never adhered to anything Gallifreyan. Well, he just, he, he just, the doctor uses you Gallifreyan. You could just assume that he was just, that was just the locking mechanism of mm-hmm. the vault. The lo- locking mechanism or the vault itself. Created by yeah. Gallifreyan, the doctor. Yeah, it's bigger yes. on the inside to accommodate a living space for whatever was in there. Mm-hmm. That made sense. Was it going to be the master or not? You know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm 50 50 on it. I'm like you, you know. By the way, to- just to, just just for reference for people who are listening, I refer to Missy as the master. Right. I hate calling her Missy because it actually does. She's the master. Just right. call her that. Right. <laughs> yeah. It kind of takes away from. Yeah, I, I don't want to do the whole. Oh my god! Just because she's a woman, now we have to call her Missy. Don't a, do that. Yeah, it just sounds like a nickname. <laughs> it's the master. Just call her that. It's okay. Yeah. I have somewhere else I could go with that, but I'm not I will do really. You think? You think? I think you and the entire internet has gone there, <laughs> and then some. <laughs> you ain't gonna be calling her master between the sheets. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm sure nobody said that joke before. <laughs> well, it's the first time it's been said in Rad's face. That's a good point. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so this season you gotta do like the bender. Oh my god! Yeah, when he when he sees Fry and is sleeping with his grandma in the uh, in the bed, when he looks in the window, that's the best. Oh my god, ever. <laughs> I don't know. Rich Evans on Red Letter Media has a pretty good. Oh my god! <laughs> that's true. What's wrong with your face? <laughs> but uh, uh, Doctor Who, what what the, what do we expect from uh, from the new guy? What do we think is going to happen? Do we have any? You the new actor? You mean? Uh, or new you actor, the director, new executive producer. I'm I'm going on both. What do we think? What, do we got any? I don't know what to think. I'll go on the executive producer only because I've watched his Broad previous Church. Broad Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect it to fall. I would I would say it would fall somewhere between Davies and Moffat styling mm. if he follows that kind of. But Broad Church is a dark show. Yeah, it's a dark show about you know. Uh, homicide detectives, basically. I mean, I don't know if they call them homicide detectives like they well, do Well, sure, here, like but, it's dark at times, but But yeah. that's just it. I was going to say, Moffat does have the ability to go there. Yeah. Um. So I, I would say it's... if it's Doctor Who in England, especially, I know, is they, they really care about trying to keep kids, the BBC, geared and interested in the show. It's supposed to be a family show. Right. right. So I can't imagine coming off of a show like Broadchurch, which is not a family show, right. that he's going to have to show another side that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Based on what I have seen of his work, I think Broadchurch is a very good show. Yeah. Um, good but characters? You're also, but, but you're all, yes, it's very character-driven. Good. Extremely character-driven. Uh, then um, again, so is Sherlock. So It's very <laughs> much like Sherlock in that sense that where I was going, but 
David Tennant helps make Broadchurch so well, good. Sure. Yeah. So you take the characters, but they're but the, they're great characters involved in an overarching story over eight episodes of like a murder happens and how did it happen? Yeah. And then uh, season two there was another murder, but they were still fin- they actually tied stuff from so season one, one into season, season two. Well, season one, the trial of season one of the murderer took place in season two, but there was also another. A murder in season two that they took care of season three i haven't watched yet mm. um so i'm going off the two seasons but i'm gonna season two wrapped up both season one and season two on its own got wrapped up so i'm assuming season three will be its own separate murder case for eight episodes mm. so and it gets dark so the the story is the murder and how they figure it out so you have to make it complicated you don't want to make it predictable like see who the killer was in like episode two or halfway through episode one be like, well, I've got this season figured out. <laughs> so the story has to be done well and it has been so far. Yeah. So the stories are strong, but it's very character driven within the story. Like you really feel a personal attachment to the, to the leads in this show. So if he can translate that from Broadchurch to Doctor Who, he'll be fine. Now, one thing I'm going to say that I pointed out before, I believe he wrote the episode, but I believe he wrote the episode, the new director, wrote the episode Power of Three. Mm, okay. From yeah, the new which one. Which is not a good series. selling point. Yeah, that's that's the part that I'm a little leery on, because again... Is that the one with this, the black boxes? Yeah, yeah, the one with the black boxes. See, again, this gets to one of my problems with the classic versus new, and also Russell T. Davies versus that is... That I'm worried about is because, again, Power of Three is a very character-driven episode. It's about Amy and Rory's life and the Doctor trying to adapt to that life. That's what really the story is. The boxes are a MacGuffin. They're just there to add the mystery, to go in there, to put a story. And in the end, how does he solve it? He goes to the ship, waves his magic wand at a computer board, and resurrects everybody. (laughs) From there, all their their instant heart attacks. There was, like, no story behind it yeah. there was there was a concept of the story of the mystery of what are these intricate boxes and stuff there but it ultimately went to nowhere Yeah, the build-up was more exciting than the resolution yeah the resolution to where it went and everything like that it was not yeah it was there was all this build-up and it went to a very very generic almost i even used side element because the ultimately the story was about the doctor living with rory and amy yeah and dealing with Rory's dad. You're both telling me things that don't sound good. I know. That's that's my fear with that. So, yeah. And I hate to be that fearful of Doctor but these things happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, these sound, days. what sounds bad about the Broadchurch well, translation? I mean, just, you know. Dark. Yeah, yeah. But that's why I said he can't go too dark because it's a family show. Yeah. But I mean, uh, but they're the gonna Doctor cast Who the younger is dark do- right They're going to cast the younger doctor. Mm-hmm. You, we all know that's coming. I mean, they're going to cast the younger doctor. That, na- that list keeps changing. That list, there's a whole bunch of new guys on the oh, list. Oh, really? Now they're, whole, now they're back on? There's a whole bunch of new girls on the list. There's a whole bunch of new guys on the list. So it still seems very up in the air as far as the betting is. Oh, because last time we talked, it was, uh, you were saying that they shut down the best. Yeah, yeah, they they had for a time, but then now it's back England on. Can't, they can't help themselves over there. They got to bet yeah. on everything, so yeah. they can't keep anything shut down too long. Before yeah, they had like, taken, we got to bet, 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 bet. Like they Fred had Flintstone. taken this one guy. I was going to say running. like Fred Flintstone. Bet, 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 bet. That's right. They had taken a couple people out of the running because they were like so sure. Mm-hmm. But then all this new information came out, so they're like okay, like well, all this new information came to light, man, and like. Dude, she kidnapped herself. <laughs> yeah, so it's see, like, that's what why. God's name, are you 
blathering about. This is why I said that it could be a cross between Moffat's Sherlock and Russell T. Davies' Doctor Who. Because it, he, he, it's got to stay family-orientated to an extent. And they're going to go with a younger Doctor. So it's, it's going to be generally pushed in that direction to begin with. I think if you can get a Davies style to Doctor Who again, that wasn't too dark. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. more. But it, it did have more some adult themes in it than classic did and stuff. Even well, so. that. But one of the problem I had with Russell T Davies is it was too character driven and the stories were very bland. Yeah, right. and that, that you was can't one. find a happy medium. Doctor Who does not seem to be able to find a happy medium. And see, that's what Broadchurch. <laughs> that's what I want. Does, yeah. But that's what Broadchurch does have. It has a good story and its and its characters in the story are and, very very good. And Gray's defense, so did Sherlock. Apparently, yeah. oh, Sherlock's incredibly great mm-hmm. show. One of the best shows I've ever seen, and yet that's the same director of uh, the current series. I know, I don't, it's, I don't get it. Yeah. When you watch the two, and somebody, if nobody told you, and then somebody said, "So that's which, the same guy's writing Doctor Who right now," you'd, you'd be, be like, like yeah, "Shut the hell up!" Yeah, no <laughs> way. It, it's it's night and day with him. It's like he saved all his best stuff for Sherlock. Yeah, which, maybe it, it kind of makes me think that Mark Gatiss is kind of more responsible for Sherlock than him, maybe because. How it's else? Too, it's too, uh, in comparison, it's too different. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in Sherlock that, you know, as far as the mysteries are concerned, where you're left going, how the hell do you write something like that? How can you even write that? How can you even write that intricate of a, of a play? You know, not only, not only the way the guy, the, the not only the way the bad guy did his badness, but also the way Sherlock figures out. Well, one thing, the one it. question I have to ask is: you do realize these are ba- these stories are rewrites of the original. Yeah, but, but they are put in such a modern twist that they, so, they but, are but is onto it, that. Well, you're saying modern twist, but is the story still the same? Does it still have those connections? No, I think. And very, all he's doing is he's painting them with America or with very, uh, modern day buildings at a very basic level. Yeah, very mm-hmm. faint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same basic plot. But yeah, the way, I've never seen them. The way I really it's done, can't the way it's done versus the way it was done in the book, mm-hmm. and the way he figures it out versus the way, like I've actually read Hound of the Baskervilles, and they do that episode in Sherlock. And it's, oh, okay, it's Night not, and day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's you know, there's so there's a hound in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like these reboot movies that you're getting, like like a Baywatch. Okay, I know, like, most And people. now we've just lost the audience. <laughs> now we have. No, because the, the Rock is in it, and The Rock is awesome. <laughs> no, but it's name only, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. You got Baywatch, everybody's like, oh, the TV show. Yeah, you might have a cameo from Hasselhoff in it and stuff, but really, it's not like the TV show. Well, that's what Sherlock's like. It's I just the- want to say Baywatch, the first name that he brings that, that, you, that makes you think is not Pamela Anderson, but it's Hasselhoff. Because <laughs> he was, I mean... He's he was just Mitch. saying he's, synonymous he's, with he's it. Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> but well, female. Well, now the Rock is the is Mitch, but yeah, the Rock rules. He does. He's up there with Jensen Eccles. But anyway, <laughs> God, if they did a movie together, I'd be I'd be set. I'd have nothing left. Cubs win the World Series. Hawks win the Cup. I get that movie. I'm good. I'm out. But anyway. I would make the rock the new doctor. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently he's running for president. Oh yeah, anyway. is he? That's an SNL joke. Oh, okay. But and Tom Hanks is his VP. Right. right. But the Uh whole thing is Sherlock takes the story titles is the best. I'd say the best way to put it. They take the story, the novels, whatever Mm -hmm. the titles. Okay. And then they just 
that's about it. Okay, it so clearly there is enough quickly. rewrite in there oh, that yeah. it is very its own its own unique story. Yeah. So it's it's like if I was to look at it and try to dissect who did what. But then I, would, I was going to say Mark Gatiss also wrote some uh, new series episodes too, but I forget which ones. It'd be interesting to look those up and know now because he did um, the see Ice how Warrior those one. Were. Oh, okay. With David Warner in the yeah, submarine, right? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Gatiss wrote oh, that. And one. He was in the episode in with Doctor David Tennant. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think he wrote that one. Right. No, but yeah, you're. I I go with your theory too that Gatiss has a lot more to do with Sherlock than. So than if I had to dissect and be like, well, difference. who did what? I would say probably Stephen Moffat's very good at writing those intricacies and those like plot twists and all those things. And Mark Gatiss is probably the character guy. Mm. So while Stephen Moffat is writing all of this. You know, I'm going to top myself with how intricate and crazy this plot is. Mark Gatiss is like, well, I'm going to pen all of the character elements and mm-hmm. make everybody seem more real and believable. And, you know, it's if I had to dissect having watched both shows, that would be probably. Then you add in the incredible acting of Freeman and Cumberbatch. Oh, Cumberbatch. Freeman and Cumberbatch you goes can't. without saying. You just can't. I they, mean, yeah, they make the show. I mean, they, it's and one uh, thing I have to like about that, one thing I love about Cumberbatch is how humble he is. It's like he doesn't see himself above Sherlock anymore. Right. Like he is actually the biggest proponent of. All right, when's the next one? Right. You, yeah. He's he's doing Hollywood movies. He's like, when are he goes to the British uh, BBC? When are we doing the next Sherlock? Yeah. It is the best team up geek cross crossover since ne- uh, Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor in episode one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a waste. What a waste of talent. <laughs> Just goes to show you can put great actors together, but it doesn't, you do still need story. It does make me wonder if uh, Moff, if they would do that for uh, Christmas. Uh, the legendary crossover that everybody wants of Sherlock and Doctor Who. Yeah, they should never, ever do that. No, because, I'd rather they don't because that. Uh, because it 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 dilutes Sherlock. And here's why. Yeah. It's not a Sherlock slight. Is it's not adult, a slight against dark. Doctor Who. It's not a slight against Doctor Who. Doctor Who crossing over with Sherlock Holmes makes total sense. If they were to do a Doctor Who episode where he crossed over with Sherlock Holmes and they used Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, I'd be very cool with that. As long as it was established that it was not connected in any way to the existing gotcha. television series, mm-hmm. put them in Victorian England. And have them be Sherlock and Watson in Victorian England. That would be, yeah. Set it as a period piece. And the Doctor meets them and they play the roles. And that would be excellent. Do not connect it to the series. Because if you connect it to the series, then Sherlock is now a space sci-fi adventure. (laughs) I see what you mean. If they exist in the same world, it can't work. Yes. It can't work like that. Well, that was one of the biggest things that I love coming from. If you guys know who Terry Pratchett is. The late Terry Pratchett. May his soul rest in peace. Uh, he wrote uh, the Discworld series okay. of novels. It's fantasy novels. Yeah, it's it's very it's 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 the best way to describe it is using a modern day term. It would be like Harry Potter meets uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy hmm. in terms of like humor and presentation and just weird stylization. And he has this whole world where it's about the world itself is um, a giant turtle with. Uh, four elephants standing on the back of the turtle and the disc world lies on the back of the elephants okay. as it flies through space. Oh, it's a ridiculous fantasy world. Well, he actually said one of the problems he had with the new series, Doctor Who, was it was too ridiculous for the stuff they said. And people actually asked him, like, how could you possibly say that? Yeah. 
uh, with Discworld, you know, when you've got a world doing this, this, you know, on the back of elephants and stuff. And he said, because Discworld is its own universe. Right. It's not set in the real world. Doctor Who is. Mm-hmm. So when you've got episodes that are set where you go to the real world, you have to meet certain expectations. This goes back to that one um, episode. I don't know how much we talked about it. I've actually said it's the episode that um, where the forests come alive. It's oh. that very fantasy one. I think it was last season. Yeah. With the wolves. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the, the forests come alive and protect the earth. It was the stupidest story on the planet. And I said to myself, they could have made that the best story ever if they made one change, and that is they didn't set it on earth. Hmm. Because earth trees do not behave like this. Right. And any of that. It was so ridiculous. The idea that the human race would just forget the next day. You're right. Is ridiculous. Well, that's a kind of a recurring theme in Doctor Who. Which I oh, hate. The human race just forgets. You know, I absolutely and... detest that because here's one of the things. First off, I'm a little, I try to be optimistic about the human race. I can be a cynical there too. Second of all, you're dealing with a show that's a time traveler. Right. This is a show where we write history. Mm-hmm. People record history. Right. Well, especially with the internet now. Like yes. at the end of this week's episode, when the monks are gone and they're like and they basically state it again. You you will forget about the human race will forget about all this. Right. I mean, there's a funny line with the student when he says that to her, like, what did you think this was and stuff? That's all funny. But when the show first came back in two thousand five and there was that guy that was tracking the doctor and like Rose didn't right. know who he mm-hmm. was. And right. like, he's like, look, he keeps showing up in time. And that was right. That was cool. That was the way they should have done it. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say something even remotely negative about a tenant time period. But I think once he defended the earth from cigarettes, I, from the cigarettes I agree. That was it the time it set broke. something in motion that they just, you could never take back, and that's what ended up happening. And then you had your favorite, the Slovene, too, where they took out Big Ben and stuff. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, just they Dalek, wrote that off. Daleks and Cybermen taking over time. Well, and then victory of the Daleks. Um, at the memory at the end, you, Dave, you know, Matt Smith was like, "Wait, you don't remember the Daleks invading to Amy Pond?" Or something? No. When did that happen? And they were saying that there was some kind of weird jiggery pokery with time or something like that. There, which they never really fully addressed, I don't think. There comes a point, like you said earlier. Bullshit. <laughs> there comes a point, like Ray said earlier, where you write yourself in, you know, into a corner. And I think by exposing the doctor and all these aliens without an explanation of like maybe one time where they had the ability to make everybody forget. Right. Yeah. You could get away with it. But once you keep repeating the men in it, black flashy thing. Right. Exactly. Now you they've dug themselves such a where well, the doctor becomes president of the world. I hate that. Like what? What was what was the point of that? Was him not being well, the unit's most Gallifrey. respected? He's the president of Gallifrey too, so why not be the president of the earth too, right? <laughs> Did you notice in this episode that he says him and Missy are the last of the Time Lords again? Yeah. They're not. Gallifrey's back. Right. Yeah. What is he talking about? I mean, unless it's still trapped in whatever. I mean, they went. I mean, they didn't pull I it think, out. Yeah, I guess they 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 have established that he, it's still in the crack in the wall. Mm-hmm. So crack I mean, last of the Time Lords, technically, I guess. But it, it they they 
take themselves in directions they don't even need to. I guess that's the problem. It's not well, that's even what necessary. I said. What was the point of the, him being the president of the earth? Was him not being the scientific advisor for un the United Nations Intelligence Task Force not good enough? Yeah. They had to make him pre president of the world. All Why? you needed to do to make that right in this three-episode arc was instead of the general secretary of the United Nations showing up, the head of unit needed to show up. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's all you had to do. There is no, oh, when times get bad, he, because she's even, Bill's even like, what do you mean? You know, like, he's like, well, when times get bad enough, we hand basically everything over to him and he becomes president of the world. Why? And who determines how bad does it have to be before that happens? Like, is it Am like, I the only one that noticed that that Asian fella, that older actor, that Asian fella in the episode, was I the only one that noticed that he's the guy from the IT crowd that wears the Doc Martens? And stomps like oh Godzilla. my god! I didn't realize. I that. didn't realize no. that, but I'm laughing about in my mind about and then that Jen, episode. And then Jen, yeah, she yeah. Step, he steps on Jen's foot and she swears at him. <laughs> yeah. And then the translator translates it. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Try him out. <laughs> right, good. The chap loves it. <laughs> so, um, but the Doctor Who has always been full of that, and like you said, they write themselves to the corner when they try to make everything so grandiose. And who is that? Who does that more than anybody else? Moffat. Stephen Moffat. So did Russell T. Davies. Yeah, but not to the extent that Moffat has. I mean, he tries that. We've talked a, about it was this. A he tries of, to yeah, outdo it's been himself. A game, it was a game of one-up ever since the Pandorica. Right. Well, dude, it's, I could argue that with um, uh, Russell T. Davies and the Daleks. Yeah. How many times did the Dalek race come back and they get wiped out? Yeah. Well, Completely. they I mean, because they're the Daleks, they have to keep coming back. But. Yeah, I think maybe there could be a point where they were all right with them being gone and just a few remote ones left here and there that Well, that, that's what it always kept ending up happening. And then you had the Dalek Khan shit and all that, you know, the the cult scout. It wasn't until victory of the Daleks happened where they finally said, okay, the Daleks got a way to start a new race, even though it was a terrible story. Yeah, to be honest, if you didn't just say that and you were to just have asked me first, like, how did the Daleks actually come back? Like in full yeah. force, I would have been like, I don't even know anymore. And, and you know, they, they were coming back. I'm, that's here how I am about this entire show. Like, and how did this happen? And how did that? I'm like, I am so lost. I have no clue how any of this happened anymore. Like, if mm -hmm. you, when I was, when we were into season four, like, I could tell you every single chain of events that happened from season one to season four. Like, I knew everything mm -hmm. that happened. And I, I agree. Knew, how did he get from here to here? When did this happen? And how did that happen? And whatever. By the time you get to the Moffat era, I am so lost. There was I so even, much going on. Yeah. I'm like, what? I even understood what was going on with the dogs at that time. Mm -hmm. But by now, so much other stuff has confused and clouded my mind that I can't remember that. I even just watched your favorite. You'll love this. Just about a week ago on YouTube, they have somebody put it together, the timeline of, River Song, <laughs> and, uh, and like A River Song hour, and, and so it was in its proper like her life timeline properly as the show, sh so you could have it explained because I think she was another character that was done very well the first time she was there. Yes, and then Moffat and do the Matt Smith era just made her way bigger than she ever should have been. Agreed, and. Now I to the point of where they turned again, her into a caricature, right? To the point of where I'm confused, like, so how, like, when she gets to Capaldi, how does this all work? Because then after Capaldi, actually, is when she meets Tennant. After that, you know, after spending those 24 years or whatever, one night, to, it's like I. So I need to watch the timeline. That's the only part I do get. Like, this is her last time with the Doctor, and then he's gonna At Capaldi. Get, he yeah, and he gave her the. Then what was the Tennant? 
he when gave, she died. He gave her the sonic screwdriver oh. that she's going to be stored in for later. And, you know, that's... And then the tenant part. Those are the two parts I do get. The Capaldi part, the tenant part. Right. All the Matt Smith stuff, I have no well, clue. Well, that's just it. That's why I had to watch that. Because I'm like, <clears throat> I want to put it all together. Like, because she was, you know, she's Rory and Amy's kid. And then she was, but she was created by that group of people to kill the doctor. And it's like... So I just wanted to watch it. I think it was like 16 minutes long mm-hmm. to explain all her appearances in, in, in the proper timeline order. Did it make sense? It did. And then I realized when I was done, I'm like, why do I even care? <laughs> but at least <laughs> I have I an answer. Why did I just waste that time? Yeah. But at least I have an answer to my question. But then I did. I went ahead and did the same thing for Clara, too. Because it was like, uh, without sure and everything, it was like, I'm like, I get confused. Like, I know Clara died and then... But then she was also jumping in and out of his life for all these years. You yeah. know, that's why I'm like, I need a, I need a re-clarification for her because I can't retain all this because it's too complicated. Because somebody made a YouTube video. That... They did for Clara, too. Okay. Yeah. And I want, and it was about the same 13 to 14 minutes. Same thing. Like, I'm like, thank you, whoever did this, because somebody else probably was out there thinking the same thing. Like, it's just way over complicated. You shouldn't need a YouTube video to... To explain it. No. Yeah. It's too much. And I'll say the one thing for River Song, with Clara... You could tell that they were that Moffat eventually started writing her per season. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a long term plan for her. River Song was supposed to have a long term plan, but it didn't seem like he knew how he was going to execute it at all or where it was going to well, go. I wonder, or like the Star Wars franchise, exactly. Ironically, that's exactly it. I wonder if when they did that episode, uh, the two parter with David Tennant, where oh the the uh, the library, yeah, where he runs into River Song. I wonder if. Back then, they had ever planned on revisiting that character. River Song, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I'm almost certain, as a matter of fact. Did Moffat <clears throat> write that? Yes, he did. Then, then probably. He, he Not only did he write that, but he also, if, uh, this is one of the arguments I made, uh, when she was when she was looking at David Tennant going, oh my God, you're so young. Hmm. Originally, Matt, you know, originally when Moffat was going to take over, or I think he did, did he take over at that point? I no, forget. he didn't take over till yeah. season. But he was—it yeah, was announced that he was going to take over. I'm positive because he said when the new doctor was going to come, he was originally looking for an older actor. Right. But then it but was they then, wanted to repeat David. You Tennant. can get no, away. No, then, then BBC gave him Matt Smith, and he was like, "I didn't want to deal with Matt Smith." He originally hated the idea. He said until he saw him act. Yeah, right. Then he loved him. You right. can get away with that line, though. Mm-hmm. You can get away with that. Here, because the regeneration, right? And how many years did uh, Peter Capaldi stay on that planet? Mm-hmm. Like, what did they, they say? Two billion? Yeah. Like just waiting to for the moment to save Clara or whatever. Yeah. So, well, that's what I have a feeling. That's what that was him rewrite writing what he originally wanted to do. Yeah, but, to cover but, that but time back. kept yep. rewinding there, so that really doesn't count toward his lifespan. The, Even, the time kept rewinding. He's really only two thousand years old. God, I hate that's another thing. Even still, though, you can use that age. line as you look so young compared to how much older he is. He's 400 when he's David Tennant. He's right. 2,000 by the time he's Peter So Capaldi. he's 1,600 years younger. You look so no, young. No, he's 900. 900, 900? At, uh, Was it 900? 900 at Eccleston. Okay, okay. In so, any case, which, many which, years have gone by. Which was actually a rollback in classic because uh colin baker sixth doctor was 900 there was like some massive leap there oh, and then wow. sylvester mccoy said he was a thousand but then for some reason when eccleston came around they went back he was 900 yeah interesting so yeah that there's a big mistake there then because mm-hmm. then what was um what the eighth, eighth doctor, doctor yeah doctor what are they mm-hmm. i have no idea how, however many they said so 
I forgot. I don't know. I don't think in the well, half human on his mother's side. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. Do did they ever reestablish that after that line in the in that movie? That that's they that? almost did with uh, what's her face, me, whatever her name is from Game of Thrones, Ashilda. Yeah. yeah, she's like because they were talking about the hybrid or whatever. Yeah, and she's like, "Is it true? Is it you?" He's like, "Does it really matter? Could you be half human?" She actually said yeah. that. Yeah, and he's like, "Does it really matter?" So that's that's. Uh, Moff throwing a bone to the audience saying, eh, maybe. I, you know what? I actually have my solution. If I, again, one, one of those things I had my long term plan, I would actually be able to address that one. Very simple. Hmm. I would actually like to, re- I would actually want to reintroduce the race, the faction paradox from the novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they are is a race based on um, time paradoxes okay. that they shouldn't exist, but because of paradoxes, like happen. You know, all through there. I would actually like to write in there that the doctor at some point overrode his own timeline. Mm. And that's why there was a point where he was half human, but he's done something that caused it. Created a paradox. Yeah, that created a paradox. Now he's normal again. Okay. I don't think we'll ever get an explanation Mm. on that. Oh, I don't either. I think it was a a throwaway line that... Just to let the fans know. Yeah, we we know it's there. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to tell you like the true answer. It's just like... Um, is Captain Jack the face of Bo? Oh, God. Right. You know, I'm oh, not, we're not going to tell you. We're just going to leave. Oh, originally that's what, because he was, he was written off and that was it, but then they brought him back for Torch Word and all that, so. Right. Yeah. But that, uh, Al Sheard, they gave her her own book series. There's oh, like, really? She's got like a, what? well, not series. There's a book of like four, three or four short stories about her. Like, was like her, her running around with that, with, with uh, Clara? No, it's her oh, like time her on Earth. Um, between the episodes that she's in, okay. like her living her life and stuff, huh, that's interesting. I guess she's somewhat popular. Well, she's in Game of Thrones. That's why they. That's why they made her a big thing. Right. Damn right. Mm-hmm. 40, 42 days till it starts. Game of Thrones. Whatever's. <laughs> I wouldn't know, but uh, yeah, that's um, you know we're gonna wrap this up because yeah we're at yeah it's about three hours. So uh, it's a good time, and you know, you're starting to talk about shows we didn't even watch, and you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's just going, it's, it's just going downhill, man. It's going downhill. <laughs> it's time to end it. Uh, so that's it, man. Uh, episode twelve. Um, if you liked it, if you like Coop, if you like Valis, you want to hear more, you like me, maybe, maybe you don't. I don't know. Go to the website, man. Go to uh, podcast.rad.tv. Uh, there's links there to Facebook and Twitter. Now I know. There's a pretty, I got, a, I got a pretty good following. It's a decent amount of listeners, but there's only like, 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 like four likes on the Facebook page, man. So do, <laughs> do better. It does, it does, you don't, you don't get much feedback from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get on there and, and, and like, and, and follow on Twitter and do all these things so that I know you're out there and you can talk with us. You can ask us questions and do all these things. We can interact. Yeah. If I'm ever back here again, I would love to answer something. You won't be. I know I won't be. No. I say big finish one more time. Oh, did they say did they did they actually hire you? And that's where you're going to be. That you won't be able to be here. So I mean, you can go try and find me on Facebook and Twitter. That's fine. But the easiest way: podcast.rand.tv. Go to the website. The links are there. You just click on them. You can go right to Facebook. If you have Facebook, if you have Twitter, people like Coop, 
don't even have it. That's right. I'm not on Twitter either. I'm yeah. on Facebook, but not Twitter. Yeah. I'm on them, but I don't use them except for like like this. You know, I use it for my podcast and I use it for my video game repro shop, which I should give a plug to repro.red.tv. Make all those crazy video game reproductions. You can check that out too. Um, so that's it. Um, Mike Vallis, thank you again for doing Always this. Always a pleasure to and be here. Coop, thank yeah, you again. Very happy. For, I got to go find a Brazilian soccer team to sign me now. My one name. Yeah, with your one name. With your yes. one, one name. He brought it full circle. He remembered that joke. That's good. That's really good. So uh, that's it. Uh, I'm Ray Price. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, we'll catch you in, uh, you know, maybe a couple weeks or something, hopefully. It's been up and down. Sometimes it's two weeks. Sometimes it's longer. But I got a lot no, of stuff you, going on. You got a lot of busy things going on. Yeah, I'm doing Rad Repro. I'm doing I'm doing a new project. I've got a new thing going on. I'm not going to tell anybody about it yet. But it's huge. It's the biggest thing I've ever done. It's, it's, it's gigantic. It's big. It's coming. But not for a little while, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell everybody about that. Is it that Pandorica later. big? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm, it, it, it's, it's, it's the end, man. But uh, yeah, we'll catch you for episode 13. I have an idea of who it's going to be. I have a pretty good idea, but uh, I'm not going to say it just in case it doesn't happen. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time.